0: Hello, hello. How y'all doing tonight? Oi. Oi. Hello. <laughs> How's it going, Thoreau? How's it doing, Kyle? Yo, man, what's up? They added, like, some new sound effects to the spaces. You guys noticed that? Do they I'm just waiting for them to add, like, browser support, where I can actually do this thing, you know, in browser rather than on my phone. Yeah, that'd be nice.
1: I know, that's the stupidest thing. But yeah, I hear what you mean. It's like when you accept a speaker, a speaker comes up, there's like a little sound.
2: <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're releasing like a bunch of cool new features and stuff. Like they're, they're trying to do a lot more like podcasting stuff on the Twitter app. So like hopefully that just makes the easier experience for listening to, to, to recordings recordings. <laughs> so
0: there's, there's a new soundboard feature where you can just like hit a button like a, like a shock jock.
1: Ooh. <laughs> Wait, what? Where is this? Where is this? Hit
0: the, hit the little like magic wand uh, icon on the bottom, and there's two tabs: one's the sideboard, and one's the voice.
1: Oh shoot! Maybe I need to update. <laughs> I just see the voice chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
0: This is gonna be this is gonna be way too much Obnoxious. fun. Obnoxious. This is gonna be obnoxious as hell. <laughs> I'll get.
1: We'll become a pro at using this. Don't worry. <laughs> what if we could put our own custom sounds? That would be epic. We could get like crazy. We could get a bunch of like Thorchain themed sounds made and just like play them all the time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. What's going on? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's
2: hilarious. All right, this is too crazy.
0: <laughs> All right, enough. Uh,
1: is that a Morse code? Morse code revealing the next chain integration. You have to decode it.
3: Yeah, I think it, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Alright
1: all right, guys. Yeah, I'm just talking right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like oh shit, that one was real. Yeah. Like Chad just fell down the stairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hilarious. All right. How y'all doing? Enough playtime.
1: Good. Yeah. Excited to go through some, some more updates that uh that privacy discussion was a really great listen. Uh I'll get that pinned up so if anyone hasn't heard that they can check that out after this, but um I'm sure it'll inevitably get brought up again today, but that was a really in-depth discussion on that issue that um you know kind of covered everything. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It was a uh, pretty in-depth and it's on YouTube. Um we can play I think it's already maybe we already uh, pinned it at the top here or not, but uh, but yeah, that was a really good conversation to our conversation with myself, mostly myself and the most of them, a bunch of other people kind of jumped in with questions and comments and things. But it was, a, it was a good conversation to have. I think one of the big takeaways, at least from my perspective, was that I think largely the community is still for privacy tokens, uh, privacy chains in general. There's a debate about whether or not the timing of which or what, what is the list of things a network has to accomplish before it's... It feels comfortable to take on private chains, and I think different people have different opinions on what that is. I have my own sense of my opinion of what that is, and others have other other opinions. um I think that's I think that's probably the big takeaway though. But also, like I think private chains aren't um as threatening as we think. Um, one thing that I was learning uh just like yesterday or two days ago was that the whole uh, sanction on Tornado Cash wasn't some sort of large sweeping effect of the government to you know, take away privacy access or these kind of things, but rather uh, some of the Biden administration, the U.S. Treasury didn't even do it. It actually was a Biden administration just looking for a way to, to spank North Korea. And they just kind of grabbed this concept off the shelf and just threw it, on, threw it out there without really putting that much thought or consideration to it sounds like from what I was learning about the other day. So it's not even like that privacy is all that much in attack at least in this current moment, based upon what I was learning the other day. So it's not, I don't think we need, I, don't, I think we're, we're probably overact, overreacting as a community to the severity of the situation. Uh, and even if the government did come after Thorstein, they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to turn it off, uh, maybe temporarily turned off for like a week or two, but, but the network would, would come back on uh, a little while later.
2: Yeah. From, from some discussions that I've had over the past week uh, one, one thing that I'm thinking about that's, that's related to that. Is just the strength of the the Thorchain node. So part of that is like part of that conversation. Uh, you know, people are aware of like you know bare metal setups, and you know that's obviously one you know good thing about uh, you know Thor nodes is that you can you can do that. Although that's not currently a widely utilized. But the strength of the the nodes on Thorchain and the geographies and the regions and just the diversity of people running nodes. That's what makes door chain strong and, and decentralized. So it, it's not just, you know, running uh running bare metal nodes. It's it's running them in diverse locations with diverse teams, uh th- different stakeholders, just diversifying the uh who's actually running the the network, who's who's participating and who's taking a, a proactive stance to protect their own nodes, who's making backups, who's uh you know, who, who's voting for the next chain, who's paying attention, who's reviewing the uh, new updates when they come out before they run them on their nodes. So there, there's a lot of different factors, bare metal being one of them, but the strength of the nodes is really the, the strength of the network. So I, I think it's been really interesting. I don't know if people have actually spun up new nodes to, uh, you know, make make their voice heard and make a vote, but I think that's that's a really positive outcome that would come out of this because that means that there's more node operators that care about the network and, you know, want uh, decentralization for the network, which is really the goal of the, the whole uh, the the whole the system as a whole. Like, you know, it's how it works. We're only as strong as our nodes. So having strong, strong node operators is uh, really important.
0: Yeah, I think there's gonna be, I mean, I've actually started putting some effort into, and I'm sure other people, and a few other people are as well, of like going through the process of, of building bare metal uh, nodes just for academic purposes um, and then documenting that process to some degree. Um, I still don't think you can really document a bare metal node entirely just because, um, it's, the technical requirement is is relatively much higher than what an AWS node would be. Um, and you know, it's easy to screw it up and get things wrong and leave some open door on your, on your box, uh, that could get exploited and such. And so, (laughs) Uh, and if something goes wrong during the, the install process, like you, you have to be, you know, a Linux savvy person or, or SysAdmin or DevOps person to like really understand what's happening, what the problem is, how to fix it, and so on. So like, I think we're going to have some more documents in the near future uh, around like supporting bare metal, but hopefully we can encourage nodes uh, to, to kind of start moving some of their... Their nodes off of parts uh, their nodes off of AWS and DigitalOcean and such onto yeah. various experimental nodes, and hopefully do it in a way that's secure and not, uh, you know, uh, problematic. Yeah, I think it was Thorchain
1: Bull also talking about just like going through the process of migrating a node, like say to uh, other countries, things like that. And I think if those things can be documented and kind of like laid out, that helps like hold hands with the node operators and like kind of show them the path to do these things. Whereas right now, like, like something you've been tweeting a lot about Chad is just like how the nodes kind of are complacent right now to like really do these, these steps towards decentralized towards more decentralization. Like I'm sure they care about it of course, but like right now it's like, well, I have to jump through all these hoops for no immediate benefit really. And so there's a lot of like hesitation, but the more that these things are kind of like laid out, I could, and just that this is getting more attention now. Like, I'm actually really curious to like revisit that vote potentially, and things like that. Like, I feel like node operators must be kind of like waking up to this more, just with this whole debate going on in the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, you know, getting all this content out, getting that, getting now that the conversation's open again. Hopefully, they'll like be more motivated to to start moving over.
0: One thing I learned is part of the. I mean, I've been messing on bare. I haven't messed around on bare metals uh, until just recently and largely because I haven't I've been built for built, I used to build infrastructure uh, and data centers many years ago, like over a decade ago for a job I used to have. And so I used to do that stuff all the time, but I'm, you know, my knowledge is antiquated at this point for the most part, to be honest with you. So I'm kind of reacquainting myself and, and kind of learning more. But one thing I kind of realized through the process that I didn't really quite realized myself before maybe not a lot of node operators know this is that the cost of operation on bare metal is far, far cheaper than it is running on AWS. Like maybe nodes, like going to be around like three $3,000 a month or so. And if you're on your own bare metal, like if you do it monthly, it'd be like between three and $500 a month to run all the, the infrastructure you need. And if you just buy your infrastructure, just like literally just buy a, a server or two throw it in your basement, like that's going to be maybe $3,000 for like a one month payment and that's it. So it's actually far, far cheaper to run bare metal than it is, uh, um, on AWS, especially now in the context where we're in a bear market, where price is relatively low to what it's been in the past. And so the monthly yield that a node operator is making, you know, right now is approximately around like maybe $10,000 a month. They're spending $3,000 on infrastructure. That's taking out obviously, you know, a huge chunk, approximately a third of their, of their, their revenue. And they could cut that down to like, you know, by 10 X, uh, like 10 X, the, the cost of operation and spend, you know, either 300 bucks or just spend $3,000 like one time and be set for, you know, many months potentially. So hopefully node operators will learn this and, and just, just by way of, you know, a financial incentive to start choose to move off of cloud providers onto physical hardware.
2: Yep. And I hope you see yeah, that's you awesome. New, I
0: didn't you know it was know so much was cheaper. Up.
2: Like, like, I, I think that's that's the biggest thing that could happen is new new people that are interested in in Thorchain, interested in decentralization, interested in privacy, or just just interested in this network in general, uh, to get you know get get the rune and spin up a node and you know start con- and contribute to the decentralization of the network. The only way that we can really get there is by having a diverse group of people. That's uh, actually responsible for the network and, and operating it and, uh, you know, using best practices to get us to where we need to be. So like, as, you know, as much as it, as it is good for, you know, the current node operators to do that and then they should be, you know, striving to do that. Uh, you know, the best way to get there is just by growing the, the node operator ecosystem and, uh, you know, just getting more people behind it, this whole thing, basically. <laughs> more regions, more, more geographies, more, uh, you know, just different areas of the world, different jurisdictions. Like that. That, that's the way that we decentralized where we need to be.
3: Yeah,
0: for sure. And I think we're getting there. And people to remember that like, as a, for like a multi-chain concept, we are more decentralized than anything else out there by a fuck ton. I would even say, because most other systems out there are just like a, Three to five individual people running individual nodes, who they're all friends, and maybe even running all that infrastructure in the same AWS like instance. <laughs> and so we're actually at least publicly run nodes by anybody in the world across you know all geographies, and I mean it's not even comparable. Yeah, that
1: makes me think of um, a thought I've been having too on like the privacy debate and everything, and it's like it's a good thing how paranoid this community is about this stuff, given like how kind of ahead we are in a lot of sense already. Like it just shows how like serious this community kind of takes this stuff. Right. Cause it's like, we're, we're seemingly more concerned with decentralizing than most projects yet. It's already more decentralized than all of those projects or something like this privacy thing and like worrying about regulation. It's like, we're we're worrying about a problem that is like most likely very unlikely even for the people that are you know so concerned about it um but it's like the thing is just so damn valuable that even if it's a two percent chance or whatever it's like people are really concerned and i think that just like shows how in tune with what's going on like this particular community really is (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is going to be nice. I like this.
0: <laughs> this is going to be so... It's going to make every Twitter space 10 times more obnoxious. I promise you. <laughs> Do you have, like, special settings or something? I don't see any of that. Whatever. You gotta, I think you're probably going to update your app, but if you go the little, like, net okay. on to the bottom and it gives you like, 50 different things, you can oh, it, be obnoxious. It just gives me a sound. voice transformer.
1: This is going to be obnoxious. I'm going to play around with this later. <laughs> Sorry, not not on the stream. All right. Same here. I I think I need to update. Maybe we can do a test test space after this cow, and we can play around. <laughs> yeah. So other than privacy, there's a couple,
2: uh, so- other, a couple other things versus the uh, the Terra airdrop for affected LPs. So if you if you were an LP of uh, Terra or uh, UST during the the whole uh, you know thing, what's <laughs> called that, uh, you can clean the Terra airdrop starting September 4th, uh, going to October 4th. So instructions will be posted for, uh, you know, when that happens. If if you're an affected LP, uh, just hang tight. And it looks like uh, just the the day before Labor Day, that is, if you're in the US, I guess, September 4th, that's when first day to clean the airdrop, and you have a month to to do so. So just look out for more info on that. It'll be coming up real soon. All right, next. ADR004, so this is uh, the newest ADR, um, the on-chain key-share backups. So, um, Chad, you want to explain what this is?
0: Yeah, so um, so a little background to this. When a validator node exists, it has three different keys that's running at any given time. Um, one is for the node itself. One is for the consensus of, like of Tendermint itself. So, And then one is for uh, the threshold signatures and and, uh, managing the actual uh, external assets to the network, like Bitcoin and Ethereum and such. So the first two are static meaning that when you first build your node, that those are the keys and that they are the keys for the lifetime of that node. And there's not even a mechanism to actually change or update those keys later on if you wanted to. Um, If you wanted to update them, the best thing to do is destroy your node and create a new one. But the third key that does change uh, and somewhat frequently, it changes every time we do a churn, uh, which happens every seven days days or so. So the idea here is that um, we want to make sure, uh, and and node operators should be doing this already if they're not. uh, Hopefully they are, but we don't. Definitively know that we can't know that for sure for certain, but we all make sure that node operators are backing up those TSS shares, just in case something were to happen. Their node got you know blown up for some reason. Either the operator himself made some mistake and you know hit the wrong button and destroyed everything by accident or something on the other side of that spectrum of, you know, the U.S. government tells AWS to shut down and kill all the the nodes, right? And so, and and destroys all that data and such. We want to be able to be able to restore the network uh, in that scenario and not actually have any lost funds or anything like this kind of thing. And so by putting it actually onto the the chain itself in an encrypted fashion, these uh, TSS shares, uh, they're recoverable downstream um, by nodes. Every full node, every validator, every uh, everybody that's running a copy of that stuff every you know is all um, backing up the TSS shares themselves, which are probably going to be triplicate encrypted using like multiple forms of encryption, like uh, I think AES is one of them I think blowfish is another one, and I can't remember what the third one is, but by encrypting them with a the salt on each one of those things, it ensures that even if the government or some government was able to crack one of these encryption methodologies, which any one of these would be one of the biggest news of the century in some sense like these things are widely considered to be like pretty ironclad but just to be overly overly cautious we equipped them with three different encryption methodologies um with three different passwords and so each one of these things if you wanted to brute force them it would take uh in the order of like millennia to brute force these things which is pretty ridiculous Uh, and then do that millennia three times, and that I'll do that within seven days. But then also do it like sixty-seven times on sixty-seven notes. Like that would be astronomically high. Even with a quantum computer, that would be extraordinarily difficult. Um, so the idea is to back up those TSS, TSS key shares. The benefit is that we we are insured with one hundred percent certainty that the TSS shares are backed up all the time. And so they're always they're always recoverable if something you know, catastrophic were to occur. The negative side is that we are exposing the CSS shares publicly in an encrypted fashion, true, but they are, the data is there, you know, available to anybody to grab. And so we have to make sure that the encryption methodology that there's no, we don't have some sort of code bug where it uploads the, sh- the shares without being encrypted because of some, you know, weird bug or something like this, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's, that's the given the, given the take to the idea. Um, this is the only feature that I see we really need to do before we go down the road of like privacy chains and that kind of stuff. Cause that, that way, that way we know that everything's recoverable no matter what, what were to happen. Um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Does that make sense? Yeah. Basically it just means that the network is never unrecoverable. It
2: means that uh, nodes can always rebuild, even if they haven't backed up their TSS key shares, which they, they should be doing regularly, but this just creates a redundancy that uh, makes it so Thor chain is never unrecoverable, even if the network, you know lost consensus people lost access to their nodes they can always get their key shares back and we can just you know keep the party rolling basically
0: yeah because like they, they can if they lose their node got destroyed by some some you know nuclear bomb went off in you know in new york that destroyed the data center or something like this they were able to, to build new infrastructure on another part of the world and then take those same keys and to the network it would be the same node even though it's different hardware uh it is for the network perspective it is the same exact you know note so like you can just rebuild somewhere else and carry on so on the risk side like how do you how are you personally feeling
1: about it or like will this have to go through some audits like i mean because it does sound like kind of scary at the same time it's kind of like necessary and a safety mechanism but it also is like opening some amount of risk so just like how is that balance, or how are you thinking about it?
0: Yeah, we as the the devs with with nine realms and everybody, and including Thorsec, in that conversations, we've had like many conversations um, together, like as on on like chat and video chat and such, like discussing this idea in general and whether this is a good idea or a terrible idea, and like, and, and I think a lot of people were kind of like on the fence about it in the sense that let like like we know that it's safe because this encryption methodologies are used by, you know, in the NSA and it's, you know, used all everywhere, all the time for all sorts of purposes. Um, but there's always a kind of that little party, you're just like, well, you are exposing the keys in the, in the end. And so it's like this, I think a lot of people were kind of on the fence about it, which is why we wanted to put up for an ADR so that we, we kind of explain to the community, uh, and get the community to kind of coalesce in a certain direction, whatever direction that, that might be i think um as time goes on i i personally feel better about it i mean in the end like everything we do within a blockchain is cryptography right like every time you sign a transaction so if that cryptography that you know uh what's called a liquid crypt- uh, cryptography like if that were to be exploited or found some sort of bug to it then like bitcoin would die right and ethereum would probably die as well you know in a heartbeat and so the is there is the risk there well yeah of course it's there does anybody sit around worrying about elliptical curve being cracked? Some people do I'm sure, but you know, 99.9% of the old don't, because they feel quite good and confident about it. It's been around for since the 1990s when the original papers were written about it. And it's been used many times and you know, it's been hardened for over decades, literal decades. And so, uh, and the same thing with like blowfish and AES, those things have been around for you know ages. Uh, and so like, yeah, there's a kind of this, you know, give and take about it. And and I think for me, I'm feeling more, more and more confident about it as, as time goes on. And th- another way to think about it is like, what's the greater risk to happen to ThorChain is the greater risk that somebody was able to, to crack these encryption methodologies like AES and whatnot. Um, or is the greater risk that like AWS kills all of the nodes, right? Or in and, and DigitalOcean and and what have you? Like, which one of those two scenarios is more likely to happen? And that's probably the one we should be optimizing as a community for. And if you ask me, the more likely scenario is that AWS comes, you know, shuts down all the nodes or something like this,
2: or just really any catastrophic, event, you know, like a, a solar flare, EMP, just. Dis- Nuking every door node, you know, just like any kind of just random freak event that would you know cause network downtime that could possibly uh, you know cause the network to not become uh, go back online and people didn't back up their key shares. So th- this would this would make it so Thor chain is always recoverable. Uh, You know, even if something does happen to you know the consensus and nodes haven't you know done their own backups. So
3: I, yeah, that's
0: I part of it I, too. Like this
2: is like this is the this is the way to go for it.
0: That's part of it too like if we if we want to have faith in the node operators that they are backing up their t s s shares routinely every week right uh and we, what were to happen if we did a we did a a, a key gen we are doing a churn and that would take about six hours to do that process and then the node operator is backing up their key but they do it like twenty four hours later but in that twenty four hour period something were to happen or whatever right like the question is like if, if we feel confident and we have faith in our order operators that they're they're backing up their TSS shares, then we don't need to do this. We they're they're doing their jobs, they're backing up their TSS shares, and we just trust them to 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 maintain that node with you know properly. Um, or we just say, let's be better to be safe than sorry. Let's not make assumptions about how the network is being operated and run, let's just optimize for for certainty.
2: Yep. So that's ADR zero zero four. Pluto just put in uh, a motion to bypass the the vote. So if so, that means that nodes can uh, you know show if they disagree with this, and then we can they can be put to a full node vote because all the developers uh, currently agree on this on the stance to adopt ADR 4 to back up the the TSS key shares on chain. So uh, that means if. You're, if you're a node operator and you disagree with uh, this ADR and you don't want the key shares to be backed up on chain, uh, you can vote. You can vote uh, using, you know, node Mimir and you know uh, make make your voice heard. And then uh, it could be put up to a, a like a full uh, regular consensus vote if if it comes to that. But all the developers are in agreement, so that's why uh, there's a motion to, to bypass uh, like a, a full vote for ADR zero zero four. So I think I think there's a week uh, to make your make your voice heard on that. Yeah. Seven days at which point the ADR passes by default. So uh, if you're a node operator and you don't agree with ADR 0, like now's the
0: time to say something. Yep. One client I, I think I actually just thought of just now is like, what if we made it so that it's configurable so you can opt out if you choose as a node operator. So that if you were the node operator, so I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good about this and I'm going to, I'm going to back up my shares and I don't need to, to do it on chain. I'm going to do it through my own mechanism or, procedures and then giving individual nodes the ability to like opt out. Yeah, what if there was opt- like a
1: minimum, like, 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 I don't know what makes sense. Is it maybe, maybe two thirds wouldn't be enough, but if it was like X number of nodes have to
0: opt into this or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a good question. I don't and To be honest, there's no clear cut answer to it.
4: Hey, impossible Hunter, do you have something to say about ADR four? Yeah, just a question. Um, Is it necessary for all of the node operators to update every week? Like, what happens if you had it where a third of the node operators added their new key to the chain every every week instead? That way, in case something goes wrong
0: and the real key is revealed only one-third are compromised. Yeah. Um, so you, you need at least two thirds of the keys backed up to be restorable and whether that's backed up on chain or backed up through an individual node's automated procedure or, or whatever they, however they back it up to whatever they put it to and hopefully they're doing that in a secure way. Um, that's all it's required is just two thirds of the node operators keys to be backed up and to be restorable to, to the network to continue on. And that's two thirds on a per Asgard basis to be clear. Um, one th- if you were to back up one third, um, you know, then that doesn't really help you much. And the, But it does make it more likely to make it, make it brute forceable. So it's kind of like if you had, you know, a 12-word seed phrase, right, for your wallet, and you knew, you know, six of them, but you lost the other six because, you know, something happened, whatever. Then the – how easy it is to brute force the other six words in your – thing becomes easier to accomplish. And I think that's also true for TSS shares, but I'm not 100% sure our cryptographer would be much better at this than than I am not a cryptographer myself. But I think that, you know, the more shares that you have, the more easy it is to to brute force the other ones. But I'm not 100% sure about that.
4: Yeah, I guess I was just trying to think of if there was a way to like have one third uh, upload the first week, then the second week, a different third upload. But I, I get what you're saying. Um, I guess the idea Every was just to there's do. a
2: different vault. So mm-hmm. you, you need, yeah. you need the TSS key you shares for that vault.
4: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. then. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Sweet. Thanks man.
2: All right. Anything else, anything else you got? You want to say on that, Chad? It's an interesting idea about, uh, you know, being able to opt out of uh, backing up the key shares on chain.
0: Yeah. I'll bring it up with the, with the dev teams and see if they think it's a good idea or a bad idea. Maybe it's not a very good idea. It's something that just, just came to mind just now, but um, maybe that's not a good idea. We shouldn't be doing it. But I'll, I'll talk with them to get their their viewpoint on it.
2: Sweet. So next up, Avax integration. So uh, last word is that Avax integration is almost ready to go. Um, Aggregator is is almost done as well. So I think we're gonna see a release for Avax like uh, you know, really soon. I hate to keep saying within the next, like, you know, like two weeks or so, but it it is, uh, it is looking very, very soon for the AVAX integration and that's going to ship along with the, uh, the aggregator. So the, you know, we're, we're getting two for the price of one here, uh, AVAX and AVAX aggregator
0: shipped out real soon. So thanks Aradonis for all the work there. Yeah. I think last I, last I heard, we'll, we'll probably have AVAX done before the next spaces. Twitter spaces on Friday. So within a week, um, hopefully that's true. And and I'm not made a liar, but I, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's, it's going to be within the next week. So big advance there. Awesome. Sweet. And, uh,
2: you know, other big news this week, Thorswap swap aggregator went live on, uh, on Tuesday, I believe we got, I got some stats here from, uh, from Orion. Uh, Pluto's coming up. What's up, man.
0: He's still listening. I'm not sure he's a speaker yet.
2: Yeah, he's he's connecting. Seems to be stuck. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. All right. Let, let's keep going with the uh, with the aggregator. Let, let me let me throw some stats out here. Um, it actually looks like a really successful launch. And the way the, the the way these features go a lot of the time, like we saw this with the the Terra launch, is that uh, you know, there there's a you know okay amount of, of volume at the beginning, and then it just it just ramps up slowly. Like these things rarely start out like you know, uh, doing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, of volume uh, immediately. But I I was actually pretty impressed by these stats. So since Tuesday on the ThorSwap aggregator, um, about 50 swaps with about $375,000 in volume. So that's an average swap size of about $7,500 per swap. So it's a median swap size of about 1.49 ETH. And uh, some of the popular assets that were swapped on the Thorswap aggregator, we got USDC, uh, USDT, Curve, Lido, Mana, uh, Engine Coin. <laughs> so there's some interesting swaps going on. And while it might not be like you know some some crazy number, that it's actually a very uh, um, I, I think it's a very respectable you know. Uh, start to the ThorSwap aggregator. seven and a half thousand dollars average swap size with a uh, a median swap size of one point four nine ETH we're seeing a lot of variety of, of assets being swapped. I think that's a, a strong first few days for the ThorSwap aggregator.
0: Yeah those stats look looking pretty ba- pretty bullish uh, in many respects, especially if it's like so early too. Like I'm excited to see it. Yeah definitely awesome to see um also agree. Yeah I think it'll
1: just take some time, you know, like people have to get the word out uh, You know, this stuff takes some time to just like spread. So tell all your friends (laughs) what's possible now. There was some pretty solid press. So hopefully, hopefully some people are hearing about it. And the next time they need to do a swap, they'll realize they don't have to go to three different places anymore. Um, So yeah, super cool. Even ERC20 to ERC20, you know, like it aggregates uh, 0x, Sushi, Uni, and 1inch. So even just for shopping around for that, like you can just do that straight on Thorswap now, which is pretty cool. Um, and you know, just always getting the best price for, for the, ma- the max, the most output. So yeah, I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's pretty, pretty exciting first numbers. And I think it'll just be like a, a slow, gradual increase as more and more people like realize, Oh, I don't have to go everywhere anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that's going to be awesome. Like just to, to know that is doing this in a way where it's always giving you best execution, best price, even if, even if Thorchain is not the place to do it right it still finds the best, which is the way, the right way to do it, right? Let, let ThorChain com- compete competitively, you know,
1: based on that. Yeah, I think those swaps, like how you just mentioned, like USDC and USDT, I think those are kind of really interesting to think about just because, like, there are those pools on ThorChain, but now it can be like, oh, well, in this case, it makes more sense to swap to ETH and then use the Sushi pool, for example. Um, so that's kind of cool to see it, like, finding more efficient routes.
2: Yeah, that's and it's strong for users too because they always get best best execution on on Thor Swap. They can just you just go and you just make your swap and then you don't have to worry about you know going all these different interfaces for it. So like it's a strong user experience, which is you know what people want in this uh, you know in their decks. They want to have just you know ease of, ease of use. Swap your swap your Bitcoin for USDC. You know you're going to get best best execution. And uh, you know we'll, we'll see how that holds up with the, when single sided yield comes because once this once a uh, you know, just the amount of liquidity in the pools starts starts going up and, and ballooning. We're probably going to see more swaps going through, uh, you know, just just Thorchain. So it really just depends on how much liquidity we can we can put into Thorchain with uh, with single sided yield. But I think it's great that you know the swaps will go through the aggregator rather than uh, Thorchain pools. It, it, it's it's strong. Um, it, it, it makes a strong use case for you know why why use Thorchain, why use Thorswap, because you know Thorswap is ThorChain Thor is really what's enabling that swap in the first place. It just you know, finds a, finds a better route for, um, you know, the people who want to have a good swap. So,
0: Yeah, and we, we you, were talking, yes. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it even takes it further when, it, when it, it makes an open API that's available for other, like, UIs and, and you know, to utilize. So, like, TrustWallet could use it, for example, and, and find the best execution using ThorSwap's capabilities, which is pretty pretty baller, too. Yeah, definitely bullish on the on the integrations
1: and this kind of like laying out the framework to really start reaching out to all those partners and all. And I um, was also going to say, we talked about this yesterday, but like just how ThorChain's general view towards like, quote unquote, competitors or like other multi-chain things that are, you know, I mean, there's not much competition right now, but maybe more so in the future. But then these interfaces can, you know, just always kind of aggregate all of that. And use Thorchain when it makes the most sense. Use other things when it makes the most sense, and that's really good for the entire space because it just makes everything more resilient. And um, yeah, it's just cool how like you know Thorchain is kind of like pro uh, competition in that sense because it just makes the whole space stronger. So you were even saying like you know hypothetically like if if Maya launches, then like Thorswap could hypothetically split a swap into both Thorchain and Maya, and like potentially have uh, less slip fee because it's like doing two smaller swaps or something like that. Like there's a lot of hypotheticals like that where an interface like ThorSwap and others, of course, you know, could like uh, aggregate all these different things and like do a, it can just get more and more kind of complex and use better and better routes as like more and more stuff gets integrated into the aggregator. So this is really just the first phase of like the new era with like Thor chain aggregation and like every time another another chain ag- is aggregated, like that just kind of exponentially increases the number of pairs that can be swapped, you know, so it's going to be really, really exciting over time.
2: Right. I don't think there's yeah. a single interface right now that you can do uh, ARC20s on, on AVAX C-Chain to ERC20s, uh, maybe besides Rango Exchange right now, but that's not with, with one click. So I think, uh, you know, once once AVAX gets shipped, uh, Pluto just gave gave a little update Uh yeah, There's one PR for the AVAX router to go out in 196, and then it's getting shipped. So we need 196 first, and then we'll, we'll see, we'll see AVAX. That'll go live with the aggregator, and then we're going to see ERC-20 to ARC-20 tokens, which is which is going to be really cool. Strong use case for Thorswap and any any interface, really. I'm looking at, like, I don't know, DeFi Spot's been trying to hype up their aggregator, which is, which is coming. Rango has a really strong one. Aggregators uh, are just such a strong
0: product for for the users. <laughs> yeah, I think like One Inch already does that kind of stuff now, where they like split transactions into multiple transactions where it makes sense and divides some of it to sushi and some of it to uni and some of it to here and some of it or whatever. Like that, we're not the first ones to be doing that, but it's a really powerful and useful tool. And it's really like wonderful when you think about the idea that like we can build these really complex systems that have strong benefits for users but build it in a way that everybody has equal access to this system without you being, you know, a data scientist to, to understand how to use these like complex trading systems. It all just kind of is abstracted away from you in any in any fool can walk up and, and get that like best execution experience. So yeah, I think that's it for for uh, new news and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing is that um, so with the latest version that was just launched 95 um, protocol and liquidity is from a coding perspective is done other than now it's on StageNet, going through a testing phase and maybe we'll find some bugs or some things to kind of iron out with it but the code itself is largely done um single-sided yield will hopefully be merged as part of version 96. i'm hoping that the last pr will get merged um it seems like it's got good, good support from the from the from the devs and from thorsec team uh so far it's pretty small pr too not not much really to it for the last one uh, so hopefully that'll be done as part 96 and that's two out of the three like large features of, that I've been working on at least. Um, and then the last one is the order book thing, which I think is just one more PR for that. So we're like, we're getting so close to getting all these major features, just like on committed and like on the master branch, so to speak, and starting to be tested and validated on StageNet. And then whenever we feel good or comfortable with it, uh, both us as the dev community, as well as the node operators. <laughs> feel good about it, they could start to enable it maintain maintenance and slowly ramp up the um kind of like raising the caps kind of thing we did before, kind of ramping up these features and, and kind of walking up slowly to make sure they are they are good good and safe and reliable. Oh, so excited for single sided yield and all these other features,
2: protocol and liquidity. Oh my God. And there's always so much going on in this ecosystem. That's why it's just so exciting to be here because there's just so much innovation out just that's that's always
3: happening. Oh.
0: It's kind of shut oh. the fuck up. <laughs> 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 yeah man i'm super excited too like these things are like like massive changes in the, in the protocol in, in a good way and, and it really shapes up what what this network is capable of doing um we're gonna see i think we're gonna see huge changes in like the tvl and, and trade volume and all these things maybe not like on day one so we have a little bit of patience about it but like um, you know, over the times, over a longer time span, like it's going to be hugely impactful and, and beneficial for the network in the long term, for sure.
2: Sweet. So I think we can start opening up for uh, for questions if people want to come up, ask questions about, um, you know, AVEX, about ADR for the key share backups, um, aggregator, just really, really anything. If people want to discuss privacy or the, uh, or the boat that's going on in the Thorchain dev discord right now, uh, you can have, have jesus use this as your as your platform make your point if you want um you know we're here so hit the, hit the button in the bottom left if you want to come up
1: as wait a sec for that um chad maybe this would be good to go over but one of the things that was clarified yesterday or was that yesterday two days ago i don't remember already but on that discord stage um was just like what this vote actually means because i think the vote kind of got like pulled into this like Privacy versus no privacy, but really it's just this like symbolic vote of like what the next chain priority should be for the devs and stuff like that. So maybe do you want to go over like what this vote truly means?
0: Yeah, it's a good question to ask. That's a good context to give too. So like historically the the direction of what chains were added and when and all these kind of things were, were largely guided by the the, the core dev team and nine realms. And that was kind of like, you know, it's fine in, in the beginning where you're kind of first getting your feet wet in some sense, but of course, you know, we have, we have ambitions to be uh, as, as most decentralized as we can reasonably get and including that that includes the decision-making process as well. And so we wanted to, instead of like, you know, the, the dev team or nine realms or whatever uh, says, okay, the next chain we're adding is this one. And then we get approval from the, from the, from the community via a mere votes, um, and then, you know, get that and so on. We wanted the, the community to have control over which chains are being added next and what, you know, and this kind of stuff. It's a little bit not as, as simple as that, because what chains added next is actually a very complicated question. There are a lot of things at play. Uh, there are a lot of things like, oh, how long would it take to add that chain? Um, how long it take the, the community of that chain to get it in, to kind of interface with. Is it difficult or easy to implement that particular one? Some are very easy to do and some take like many months or even years in some cases to do So like, it's not that clear cut of like, hey, this is next and then just like do it and carry on. But we still wanted to kind of give the community the, the kind of the power the, or, or the, the decision-making process to some degree. And so this vote about next chain was given the community the idea that they can vote on uh, what is the next chain to work that the the core devs and nine Nymoms are going to be working together on to to implement onto StageNet, um, and it does not necessarily mean that that chain will be added to Mainnet. That requires a two-thirds majority vote uh, and consensus to add it onto Mainnet. So we might see that like forty percent of the vote is for Haven and 30% of the vote is for buying a smart chain. And, you know, some of the percentages for, you know, uh, uh, dash or whatever. And none of them got two thirds majority. It's all got like a little little piece of the pie and that's okay. Within the context of station, we can just kind of spend the time and energy trying to get that ramped up and and, and testing. And then once we do that, then the community can say, all right, we've, tested on stage net. It looks like it's pretty solid. We're bullish on this, on this chain in terms of its impact on, on the network and it's, uh, economically and otherwise, uh, security and so forth and so on. And so then the second vote occurs to say, let's enable, you know, haven on mainnet or whatever that is. And so that'd be a secondary vote that happens downstream, but this one's just to like kind of guide the devs kind of direction of what chain, the community wants to see added to the network next rather than myself or or or, or pluto or anybody else in, in the uh on the dev teams
2: yes sir just another tool in the decentralization bucket to, to make the network just the the voice of the nodes i mean as i said before at, like at the beginning of this call uh you know the networks is only as strong as the people that are operating the nodes and more uh, more diverse people that are running more nodes in more locations putting up that that bond is, uh, imperative. So if people are, you know, if you're really passionate about, you know, the direction of Thorchain, um, you know, that that's a a great way to contribute to this conversation and just to have a voice in the direction of the network and, uh, to strengthen the decentralization of the network, the more people and more, more geographies that are running nodes, just the more decentralized it is and the the better this process, uh, works and
4: the more that it helps the, the network as a whole. Hey, Impossible Hunter. Hey, so if uh, things get approved to StageNet, right, and they're on there and then they don't get approved to go to Mainnet, does that code just stay stage StageNet? Do you guys almost ever revert stuff out?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's something that I think Nine Realms and, and the devs will will kind of discuss at that point in time. That hasn't really been discussed at this point. The, there's a general consensus within coding in general that you don't want dead code just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, that code is, is still valuable. Maybe a fork of that chain later on is useful. You want to keep that code around and make it easier for us later. So that's a discussion to be had uh, at another time. Um, yeah, gotcha.
1: Okay. I think that brings up another point to clarify, though, is so, like, let's say, let's say Haven wins this vote and it's like, you know, it's only like 30% of the nodes that, that voted for it, right? Uh, but that's like the winner. Um, to actually get pushed to mainnet, that requires, like, in that case, that would be the, the supermajority. that is that all of them adopting it, or is it two-thirds in that case?
0: That would be two-thirds. I mean, to be fair, like, this whole next chain idea, like, that was uh, originally my concept, and, and how I originally intended the design was that this also required two-thirds because everything requires two-thirds within the core chain, and, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, to spend the dev time, which takes months of effort, to implement Haven, right? Even though it's not going to get to mainnet because only forty percent of people actually want to see it there, and the other sixty percent don't want to see it there, and then this ends up being a huge waste of time. Which I think a killer was talking about that at the at the at the um, the the, deep, the debate of the day. And to be fair, like he's right; like he does just want to get into a place where we're we're just burning devs' time. You know, because nobody wants to do that, including myself. So, but. I think some people disagree within the team of like the way to do this, and I guess we're still kind of feeling things out. This is the first time we're doing it, and maybe, we're, maybe we might want to change the design a little bit on, on round two or whatever. Uh, like this time, we didn't even have like no chain as, as, as a as a choice, which should, that should give people the ability. To, I don't want any chain to be added. Like that's a that's a legitimate perspective to have. We should give people the ability to vote in that direction if they choose. So. Um, but I would rather to see us a, be a, just a two thirds consensus, even the states net. That would be much more, uh, that would create a shilling point within the community of like, what are we going to do? You know?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point to clarify because, you know, like the winner might only have 30% or something like that, but it would still need to have the two thirds to, to actually get approved. So, like, That'd be a, not an ideal scenario if, like, the winner ends up not. Yeah, it's, it's like you don't know if two thirds actually want something if you're voting in the way that's happening right now. So hopefully that doesn't cause any hiccups.
0: Yeah, and, and like in finance smart chain's case, like that's not really controversial whether whether or not to add finance smart chain or not. I think that's not very few people who were saying like never add finance smart chain. Like that's not really controversial, right? And so that's likely to get the two-thirds majority once it's already done on stage and validated and and people want to get the immediate uh value of adding another chain like that that has such economic power behind it but obviously haven is different that's more controversial or monero is different and so that's a little bit of a different case hey zeb what's going on man
5: how you guys doing uh just wanted to jump into what you guys are talking about is interesting with that with the 30%, though, like, so let's say you're right, like, let's say Haven gets like 35%, you know, or 40%, somebody else gets 30 and somebody else gets like 10 or, or whatever the case may be. I think what we also have to remember, I, I don't think we should say that that's going to be the outcome, you know, on a stage net vote, for example, because it's 30% against 10 other options that are currently going on right now. Whereas my understanding on stage net, you would need two thirds of just yourself, like you're not going up against, you know, seven chains, eight chains or anything like that, you would just need supermajority to choose you. You know what I mean?
1: So just wanted to throw that in. Oh, totally. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be basically yes, no, at that point. But so you'd have to, the question is how many of the people who didn't vote for Haven would vote yes or no on the final vote, right? So that's kind of like the unknown with, with voting this way at, at this stage, I guess.
5: I wonder how many of the ones that voted for Binance Smart Chain would have voted for Hey, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, it's right, hard yeah. to, I think it's just hard to look at this one and make any kind of assumption of what it might be on the next.
2: Yeah. It, it's a that. different, it's a different question entirely. You know, and yeah. I, I think we'll have to come up with a, with a way to, to, to gauge that before, you know, before that actually happens. So yeah, yeah it's, it's all it totally... kind of work in progress. Like we all, you know, we all just kind of try and come up with, with these processes to, you know, create a decentralized environment where everyone can, can have voice, but you know, uh, that, that just part of the part of the turmoil, sort of 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 uh, you know working through this environment, just makes it a little bit more chaotic and difficult <laughs> to to actually co- come to these decisions. But uh, you know the, the the vote to go to to mainnet is you know will be a completely you know. Separate thing. And I think you know, and something people will know that 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 vote is coming. We'll have uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to gauge that beforehand. I think, and uh, you know, because because no one wants to put anything on on stage that's not going to be going to mainnet eventually. You know, so uh, we'll have to get get to that when we come to it. But all, all this is kind of just you know, process discovery is like discovering how uh, you know this decentralized organization uh, does things.
0: Makes sense. What <laughs> One kind of interesting component to this is that, like, as you get more people to vote in the process, like before, is mostly just nine rooms and, and the OG team kind of like determining what was next, which is good in in some ways and bad in other ways. Like, it's good in that it's very decisive, and we're just make good motions forward by a group of individuals who you know understand the system quite well and the risks of the risks involved, and so they're quite educated and 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 can speak from a place of experience and knowledge and then as we go into like a more decentralized way of doing a, a, the node operators like well then you have more minds and more more pr- perspectives and more like influences involved like you know which is which is good in some sense but that can help the, but the it can also backfire a little bit in the sense that like the network can can like ossify in a way that's you know ossify meaning uh, get kind of like static in the way that it's, that it's run. And then we, nobody like, we don't want to add any chains next because nobody can, can agree that the next chain is going to be chain, you know, chain a, whatever that might be. And then it becomes like kind of a, you know, a standoff within the community, kind of similar about, you know, uh, like the, uh, block size debate that Bitcoin had a couple of years ago, and like nobody could agree with that block size that was going to be. Somebody wanted to change it and somebody didn't want to change it. And then at the end, you just stay with the hell you are now, which is really great in Bitcoin's case because Bitcoin needs to be needs to be static in many respects to be safe. But in our case, we're a bit different because we are dynamically reacting to the, the industry in general. And so as new chains come out tomorrow that are really nice and valuable, blah, 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 whatever, um, and we want to add those things, we have to be... A little bit nimble, kind of retain our nimbleness, unlike Bitcoin, right? Or even unlike Ethereum, to some degree. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And there's a lot of benefits to this motion, and I think there's also going to be some. It might cause like more slowness in the in the development of the of the of the network.
2: Yeah, I so think, I think it's good that it allows for ossification too, because you know that's the way that that. Um, code gets hardened just by sitting there and by you know people people looking at it critically for long periods of time and by o- always adding new chains without the option of you know being able to let, let the network you know cool down for a while or say like hey maybe now's not now we we don't even want to add any more chains to Thor chain for for a long time like that's uh, you know there's something to be said for that as well so I think there's uh, I think it's good that they, they, you know, that we have a process that allows people to even say that. Um, you know, we don't want any more chains on Thorchain. like the, the more, the more options, the better, because, um, it, there might, it might, the best option might just be to, to is to, to sit back and, uh, to let the network do its thing for a while, you know, sorry, Zev, you can it, continue.
0: Well, it, it's, it's a little bit complicated for node operators because, you know, if we had the ability tomorrow to add a thousand chains to the network, if we were to do that hypothetically, the cost of, of, of running that infrastructure would become so high that the node operators would not be able to do it and still remain profitable, right? And so there's only like, the node operators are taking on additional expenses, every Solana being very high, resource-intensive and, and Bitcoin being relatively low. And so that's just part of the, the analysis that node operators have to make like, well, we're spending more money to do this. Is the economic value, am I adding this new chain, B dash or my smart chain or whatever, about like give enough value that it offsets the cost. And that's like a hard thing to actually come to determination on.
5: If I could just one last thing and then I'll let you guys guys go. Uh, I actually think what you might see uh, from what you're talking about is potentially more of what you're seeing now, right? So if there's like 10 different chains or five different chains that you're putting out to the nodes, uh, you know, like what do you want to integrate next? You know, and certain devs have different opinions on the different chains, like why not post somewhere in a thread like, the, the, the ups and the downs or the, the pros and the cons of this chain. I think you're going to see more people start lobbying for specific chains, start talking about them, uh, debating. And I, I think that's kind of healthy. Like I've I've kind of been enjoying, you know, obviously you know what, where I'm aligned, I, I want to see Haven for multiple reasons, uh, become a part of Thor chain, but I haven't spent as, this much time in your guys server ever. Uh, and I kind of don't want to leave. So in a great
2: Haven, see you guys. Sweet, sweet. Thanks man. Other people want to come up as well. <laughs> Thanks for that, Chad. <laughs> Other people want to come up as well. You can just hit the button and request and share your uh, your input or, or just your, your thoughts on the whole privacy thing. Thorify? Hey, hey, what's up?
6: Hey, guys. I was wondering, I remember back um, when Cosmos did their upgrade and it was great for Thorchain because it really allowed us to increase the number of nodes. And I was wondering if there's anything you've seen on the future horizon that might help with um, you know, sharding vaults or something where we can – Um, you know, make it easier to go bare metal or increase the number of nodes, that type of thing.
0: Well, it's a couple of different questions there. Um, In terms of increasing the nodes, um, the problem with increasing the nodes, I think the limiting factor, I think, is not so much, um, at least in this current moment, it's not so much uh, Cosmos itself. I think that's a limitation of like 200 or so. And we have an artificial cap right now at 120, I think. The problem really is about getting enough Rune put together to actually run a node, right? Like the number of people in the world that have 300,000 Rune or greater is not 10,000, right? It's not going to be that that high of a number. And so unless you get people kind of pooling their funds together, Rune together to create a node collectively, uh, that's going to be probably one of the more difficult aspects to it. And as time goes on, these, you know, probably the this, the requirement is not going to be three hundred thousand. It's going to be four hundred thousand, or five hundred thousand, or six hundred thousand. Like, especially as the network becomes more and more successful, it's probably going to be true. And so that that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that how that happens. You know, uh, but in terms of bare metal, that's a different that's a different question. That's going to require a, a bunch of work from the community. Hopefully, the community is willing to step up and do most of that work. I uh, hope that's that's the, that's the case. Uh, and start, you know, going through the process and documenting and, and making it easier for other people to understand how difficult or easy it is and to make sure we set those things up with, with security in mind and make sure Kubernetes itself is enabled in a way that's secure and as well as the actual the node itself and the OS. All those things, firewalls, networking, all those things need to be kind of locked down in a way that's secure. Otherwise, we create a potential threat to the network.
6: Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I, I was wondering if there's any... Um... Anything you guys have seen on the horizon in terms of like, um, you know, sharding the vaults more? I know that um, we were able to do some of that with the last Cosmos upgrade. And I'm just wondering if if there's any technology that you're kind of have an eye on that you see coming. And that, that was just my last question. Thanks, guys.
0: For sharding the vaults, like so the vaults themselves are already sharded. The question then becomes, you know, can we shard them more? And yes, yeah, so we can we can shard them as as much as we want to. Um, there's a configuration option controlled by the nodes um, called Asgard size, and it just dictates how many nodes can exist, how many members are per Asgard, and that number can, can be increased or decreased arbitrarily. Um, what makes you to push one direction or the other depends upon. Um, you know, a security viewpoint, the larger, the higher number of members, the more secure it is because it makes it more difficult, the more nodes they crack into to to steal funds. Uh, And then the lower the number is, the more Asgard's there are and the faster TSS signing time there is. And so the number of transactions per second that the network can actually sign increases with the number of Asgard's and the number of nodes per Asgard. Uh, yeah, that, that that answer your question? I'm not sure if it does.
6: Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Thanks, Chad. Yeah,
0: hopefully, like I think
2: that's that's one part of the the scaling solution to to Thorchain. But you know, the biggest thing is really just getting more more node operators who are interested in the know, Like I, I think that, that there's no real band aid for that solution other than actually getting more organizations, more people running Thor nodes, more people that are interested in Thor chain, interested in decentralization. Uh, like th- that's where it has to go in order to sufficiently decentralize the network.
6: And there's no way to maybe use the new multi-sig we have to allow people to, to bond to nodes um, you know, in a trustless manner with a lower amount or something. I'm just trying to think out of the box.
0: Um. Well, I think that that's actually give you what you're looking for, and um, you can already bond up to seven different, I think six or seven different uh, addresses into a, a single node, and and that, again, that's also an artificial configuration that can be changed at any time by node operators uh, if they see fit to reduce it or increase it. They can um, the to to get to a situation where you're using less bond, like to to like under three hundred thousand. Say you want to do with like ten thousand. Whatever, the cost of the operation of the infrastructure itself would probably exceed the value that you would exceed that you would get in reward because you you bond up so little, like ten thousand, relatively lo- low relative to what we see validated to today. And so the question then becomes like, well, how do you do this in a way that uh, people with low amount of liquidity or bond can bond up? and also have low infrastructure costs or no infrastructure costs and that's been a question on my mind for a long period of time i've actually been thinking about this a lot lately as well um and to be honest i haven't thought of a way that that accomplishes that task without um compromising on on security and that's one thing i'm trying to not do is compromise on security um yeah the the best we can do is just kind of like multi-bonded node you and your friends can kind of collude together to, to build a, a node together, but I haven't figured out a way to do it without compromising the security. Hey,
7: Kenton, what's up? Oh, Hey guys, actually, my question is on, on these lines is, uh, we all agree we need decentralization, we need more nodes, but that's, to me, that seems to be our hang up is we have people who know how to run a node without the capital, and we have people with capital who don't know how to run a node. So, you know, how do we meet, you know, how do we pair those two? And in my mind, the only way we can do that is publicly, you know, people are, you know, out there advertising, they're looking for either party. And, you know, I get the idea of being anonymous and, you know, protecting ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But I don't see how we scale without nodes becoming public. Um, I don't know if you guys have any Comments on that, or, or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, bonding to
2: like adding to a bond uh, of a node. Uh, like if you're doing the the pooled bond for for a node, uh, which is available right now for six or seven people, like Chad just said, uh, that's a that's a trusted relationship you need to have with that node operator. You need to. Uh, you need to be able to trust that node operator to operate their their node correctly and uh i mean there 's ways to make it more trustless, but at the end of the day that 's a trusted relationship so you, you shouldn't uh no one no one should do that uh you know completely anonymously with uh, with with a node operator, you should you should have a, a trusted relationship if uh, you,
7: you're providing someone rune to, to to bond to their node. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess, but how do we develop that trust without being doxed, without getting to know each other, without you know looking into each other's background?
0: Yeah, I mean, in some cases, uh, if you are a person who has the skill set to run a node, but you don't have you don't have rune, but you have a bunch of friends of yours that are rune holders or something like this you can do that. And, and that's probably happening already in a, in a handful of nodes, most likely. Um, how many? I don't honestly know, but um, the other way of doing it is just like saying kind of broadcasting to the world and saying, Hey, you know, we're creating this company. The company's name is uh, uh node serve or something like this, whatever. And we're going to run this as a business, which is kind of what nine realms is already doing to some degree. Like they, run nodes on, on the behalf of others and and they're publicly doxed and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's some, there actually is some benefit for doxing in this scenario, just because uh, if I know that this guy named Jacob is running nodes for people, I can actually look on chain to figure out how many nodes Jacob is running. And I can determine, you know, what levels of threat Jacob potentially has to the network of like, of seizing the network or being able to halt the network or or whatnot, but the problem with that is like okay i know i know jacob's got running these three nodes or whatever the hell it is but then when jacob also has a side business where he is anonymous and working with people anonymously then he then you don't know how much he and and many knows a single individual has access to you know what i mean so it, it's a tricky thing and doing what you're suggesting does help the network scale because it allows more room to be de- deployed into the to the bond uh of the network. Um my hope is that like it won't matter so much in the long term. And there's been moments where it's gonna matter and everybody's gonna freak out about it. And that actually happened like six months ago or the hell the number was. But my hope is that uh as the room price just kind of scales and just kind of goes up and just through the process of being becoming a successful network, that the value of the bond also inherently scales, you know, to larger and larger degrees where we can get, you know, one or ten or a hundred billion dollars in the pools, just because the room price is at some you know really high quantity or, or high value. I, um,
7: I was wondering, is it maybe in the Discord group chat? There, can you have a channel that maybe has people that are, you know they can, they know how to write a note. They yeah, to learn to
3: learn
7: to oh, can you hear me? Hello? yeah, I can hear you. There we go, I hear you. Okay, sorry. Um, I was just wondering if what about having in the Discord. Uh, Group there a channel for uh, people who want to run a node but don't have capital. People who do have capital looking for someone to run a node. You know, kind of like a you know, matchmaking uh, channel where they people can start networking and, and connecting with each other. Um,
0: yeah, like like Kyle was saying, if you, if you do that, then it has to be a doxed relationship, and. I, uh, I we I, with like I'm nervous about uh, not so much what right, necessarily you, Kenton, but like just the the community in general saying, "Hey, this is a guy on Discord. His aliases and my note, you know stuff to his note, and that becomes you know a security issue to deal with."
6: I'm wondering about this. Just iterating on this idea: if it's it's probably okay to be doxed if it's just small amounts. So what if there was a way to have a vault that anyone can bond, can, can stake to and that um, node operators can then um, you know, attach to to use for there? So if a node operator bonds, you know, to a third or whatever the, the amount is so that they're not at risk of taking the capital, then they can then access this, you know, DAO vault that people have stake room to. Just, just an idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to do that without um, requiring trust as part of that process. Like that's the ideal the the kind of the, the golden egg, the 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 utopian kind of result to this problem, at least in my eyes, is that we have a mechanism people can provide Room to secure the network while not providing any network. And the amount of room you can, sec- you can secure is, is arbitrarily small or arbitrarily large. That's the theoretical best case scenario. But I don't know how to do that in a way that actually makes sense, unfortunately.
2: It's it's something that yeah.
0: we're all thinking about a lot, just how to scale the security of
2: this network, because it's just such an important topic. And probably one of the, the limiters of of growth is how quickly... Uh, you know bond can actually scale w- with the network so I think that, that you know we're all looking for solutions for that you know uh, nine realms has some ideas the core team has some ideas and we're, we're constantly thinking about that so it's it's a work in progress
0: it does seem like that's probably the most difficult problem to solve at least in my eyes like getting TVL I think we've will probably do that pretty effectively with single-sided yield and other things uh, getting trade volume I think we'll do that pretty effectively with uh, integrations with more chains and more DEXs and more UIs and wallets and so forth and so on. Um, but the, the scale and the security side is probably the most challenging or the most barriers to, to doing that. And that. I think that's, that's going to require a lot of time and energy to support that.
2: Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, and like nine realms can contribute to a solution for that like we we got some ideas that we're that we're bouncing around but you know it's going to take some time to to get this uh to, to get all the details ironed out here
0: get the thermaxian requests to come up yeah if people have questions or comments or whatever feel free to raise your hand and get, pull on stage hey
4: hey hey i was just uh wondering if uh if it's possible theoretical if anybody's thought of i'm sure somebody's thought of this if there's some way to dumb down the you know, the node running process to create like a node in a box or a piece of software you can download that's sort of an idiot proof node. I mean, obviously there would still be some complexity to it, but it seems like it's likely that, you know, a real node pro could write some software that sort of is, you know, node running for dummies or is that just not possible?
0: Well, so the challenge with this is that like, um, say, say you have a bunch of people running running nodes and only some of them are running the, the full daemons, like full Bitcoin and full Ethereum and, a full, and some of them aren't and they're just kind of, um, you know, believing the chain, the third, the third node chain itself. And so, like, in that hypothetical scenario, like, it is theoretically possible for an attacker, you know, to insert fictitious transactions that never happened on Bitcoin that is swapping to Ethereum, And then that becomes obviously problematic for like funds would be lost in that that hypothetical scenario. So that's, that's why everybody who validates the chain has to validate the chains of all the other chains. Mm -hmm. And you you could have a subset do it. Like maybe, you know, one third of the nodes do Bitcoin and one third of the nodes do Ethereum and one third of the nodes do dash or whatever. But then then you're just relying on those one thirds to be honest, which you wouldn't even know. You couldn't even slash them if they were, if they were to collude in some way to do it themselves, you wouldn't even be able to slash those people because you wouldn't know anything different other than what they've told you. Right. And so like, it becomes a very, very difficult thing. We've talked about the idea of like having um, what we call the light node, you know, basically uh, be kind of like a cold storage. like could hold some asset, but it only holds a single asset and therefore only needs a hold. Uh, you know process the chain of a single chain like like bitcoin for example Mm -hmm. but even with that there comes some kind of complexities in the code to be worried about i mean still it's it might be possible to do it that way to help secure assets without having as much infrastructure requirements for one of these light node type systems validate full value still need to validate everything in the chain but um, that's like the, the two things you have to be worried about if you're like a light node or a passive node. One of these concepts is one, is there a fake transactions being broadcasted onto Thor node that never transpired on Bitcoin or Binance or whatever? And two, is Thor node itself been manipulated or, or, or like in some way? So, like, you don't want to get a situation where you trust somebody else's Thor node to have the data correct. Because they could be malicious, and if that's the case, then you're trusting somebody else's information, which is obviously inherently pr- problematic, right? Like somebody could s- simple attack the network and you know insert some malicious code that mints a billion rune tokens into their wallet, and then they start swapping into Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and all these things and start just siphoning money out of the system. So, like whenever you deal with validators or anybody that's securing assets, or securing Bitcoin Ethereum, whatever you always have to make sure you, one, you have a, a valid uh, running of, of the Thor node client itself, Thor node box itself, and two, you can to make sure that all the transactions that are being, you know, observed onto the chain from other chains as do exist and they're not uh, made mm-hmm. up or, or manipulated. So is there no way to like, okay, every node
4: needs to be a full node. Can Can somebody write some software that, you know, you know does leads you through all of the things it takes to run a node and a sort of you know whatever it is node in a box or auto node or I whatever. Mean, and you just go to the GitHub it, and
0: you download the latest auto node and you install it. It already is auto node though. like right now if you actually yeah. want to run a node, it is auto node. like there's just two basically there's like two commands you run and the whole thing just runs Right? Like it's it's the way that it's set up now is is done it could probably could be made even simpler but it's already mm-hmm. excruciatingly simple, That's especially when, right. Yeah, it's as simple as you can reasonably get. I mean, you probably make it into like, you know, a single command or two commands, but like the way that it is now, it's, it's excruciatingly simple. Mm-hmm. You know? right. The problem that comes into play is when, when something blows up, something fails. Well, if you don't know how to run the infrastructure, then you're just, you know, you, you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's, like, it's almost like if you're driving a car and, you know, the, the uh, the, uh, one of the in- injector fuel lines explodes. Well, you know, if you don't right. want to fix it, then you're, you're kind of shit out of luck. Right. And so we kind right. of expect our, our node operators to have the, the knowledge and skills that be able to, to, to fix an injection line, theoretically, you know, if it breaks, break. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not there to fix it for you right now. There's anybody, now there's anybody else on the team. I mean, we're, I guess we're there to support you if you really need, but like we're not running into your house and, <laughs> Helping you fix your shit. Yeah, that's where I was sort of wondering. It's like, well, if
4: we've got just a lack of skill and knowledge here, you know, could we develop a department or could somebody start a side project or something that, you know, gives everyone that support they would need to run a node and training and make it as easy as possible? And
0: Yeah, we have to worry about doxing in that scenario. We don't want all, right. all the node upers to be like, signing up for an email address, right? <laughs> or something like this. <laughs> right. Doxing their. You know, thing. So we have to be careful about that aspect to it. Um, but the pro the problem is is that like is that I I rather have node operators. I'd rather have honestly. I'd rather have Coinbase running a node than some random you know person in Europe, right? Even if that person is an intelligent you know uh, DevOpsy mm-hmm. person, just because you know um, Coinbase is very you know they're very advanced people over there. They have entire data centers and, and te- staffs of people and proper like security measures put into place. Like idealist, if I had to wave my wand and just like get what I wanted, it uh-huh. was, the whole network would be run by uh, like Coinbases and, and institutions and very few of the nodes would be run by like random individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good in some ways, but also bad, like it can be shut down more easily in that scenario, but you know, there's pros and cons. Gotcha. All right, that's, that's all I got,
2: thanks. Yeah, sweet, thanks man. Uh, Pudo, did you did you have something to say about the, the security thing we're talking about?
8: Yeah, I think yeah, definitely an interesting um, conversation. I I agree with like all the possibilities that Chad put forth. Um, you know, like, and I do think that like the most important thing is, is, is trying to match people that have like the means or the capital with the people that have the skills. I think that's, that's kind of what we need to focus on. Um, But with regards to like education and support, Nine Realms basically provides, you know, as as close to uh, 24 seven on call support to validators as we can. Um, So anytime, you know, any validator has an issue, you know usually it's a pretty common thing like their their pvc isn't mounting or whatever um, you know, we'll jump in and help them out with those kind of things. So I think from a support standpoint, like the network is pretty well covered. I also think from like an education and a tooling standpoint as well, like it's, it's really well done. Like, you know, even, even before I joined Nine Realms, I was running, you know, a validator on the side. And I, you know, just, just as an outsider looking in, like was incredibly impressed with how well the, the node launcher and the cluster launcher repositories were set up and how good the documentation was. So, so I actually don't think, I think that like for anybody who has, um, you know, even like a basic DevOps or, you know, infrastructure engineering background, um, running a node is, is beyond simple enough as it is. Um, and then with respect to like the, you know, should we build or should we create, should we change the way the protocol works to make it simpler? Absolutely not. Like, no, ThorChain is already the most complex, blockchain in existence there's no reason to like make it more complicated by you know having light nodes or or you know validator nodes or whatever nodes um you know just observing on specific chains like i, I just think that completely overcomplicates the problem um and like if, if 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 what you're looking to do is make it so that like more people can run nodes like i think that the goal should really just be to find like more ways to to match people with skills with people with money. And I think that there, you know, we should we should explore organizational concepts like DAOs that could potentially allow you to do that. But um from, from a technical perspective, I think that like Thor chain infrastructure is good the way it is.
0: Yeah, but the, the negative of, of that approach is that you end up being kind of what Bitcoin's probably largest centralization problem of like there's like four Bitcoin pools. And you know, if three were compromised, the whole chain would be, I think it's a four actually no four would be compromised. The whole chain would be compromised, right. of, of Bitcoin. And so like when you get into this place where you're trying to match skills and uh, money, commonly what will happen is you'll have, you'll see like three entities, Nine Realms being one of them and maybe two or three others that kind of like get a majority of the nodes. And then all of a sudden it's like those three operators who are running 80% of the nodes or something like this, right? It
8: it should be really, it should end up being like a really competitive marketplace though, where like, you know, Nine Realms has a bunch of overhead, you know, in the sense that like we employ all these people to do protocol development as well. But then like a scrappier, you know, DevOps engineer, um, you know, it can get together with all of his friends in Serbia or wherever. And like, they can, you know, form a DAO at least, you know, or at least have some, you know, amount of like trust or clout within some community to like form a DAO to initially do the, um, you know, run, run the node. So I, I think that like, you know, we, we still have that like cosmos upper limit on nodes. So we'll never be like a 10,000 node network. Um, but like we should be able to get to a 200 node network where like more than half of those are run by like non, you know, non, um, large entities or large node operators. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's an interesting problem, but again, I just think it's more of like a organizational problem than it is like a technical one. Um, yeah, like anyone, anyone can, anyone can run a profitable Thor node right now if they just like bought like our, you know, a $13,000 rack mounted server, like you'd have more than enough power to like scale, you know, with Thorchain to like, you know, 10, uh, uh, cosmos based chains, 10 UTXO chains and like six EVM chains. Like I I've been doing some research on the bare metal stuff. So like, Capital expenditure, 13 grand, find a data center with, a, you know, one gigabit down, and you can run a Thor node. So I think that, like, like from a technical perspective, like, it's definitely possible. It's definitely doable. I want to see more people doing it. Um, but, like, trying to change, like, the parameters of the network to be able to accommodate, like joe schmo running it on their home computer like i think we're solving for the wrong problem because it's so complicated and because you need to run and observe all these daemons like i just don't see that being possible without someone being on you know basically having someone there who like understands either like cloud computing or bare metal computing very well
0: yeah I do think that like there was one issue, a GitLab issue. It's, it's up online. People want to read about it, and I'm not sure if Pluto. You read it and be curious to get your your viewpoint on it. Is this, this concept called passive nodes, and which is basically a passive node is is, is a validator that's not it, it's contributing to the Asgard's right, contributing to the security of the assets, but not contributing to uh, the chain itself, like the Thor chain itself, and not committing blocks. And in that case, you can you can scale up the number of um, of nodes like that is secure, secure the assets, like to be a hundred thousand, theoretically speaking. Um, and, and the bond requirements could be far less in those circumstances because they're not, because they're not contributing to the chain itself. They don't pose any threat of like a civil attack in that context. Right. And so there's a possibility that you can do that and allow for us a bond to contribute to the network. Um, but you still have the same hardware requirements that they have to maintain, you know, all the full nodes and the full the full stack of a validator. Yeah,
8: I I really like
0: that idea because it would allow us to bypass that cosmos upper
8: limit, you know, on actually like validating blocks. You know, you can only you can only gossip so many, you know, you can only you can only have a block time remain relatively constant at around six seconds while gossiping with you know so many peers like it's just not you know the the speed of light won't let you and like and you know silicon wafers like won't let you do more any you know and and keep it that fast so i think i think that's a you know that's a great idea i'll definitely revisit that issue and um take another look at that i i I wanted to actually ask you chad your opinion on something um and uh, it's probably not it's you'll probably say hell no but um we were I, I was thinking recently like you know, because we were saying, oh, we can't integrate Solana because you know, we can't run like, you know, it would just be it's, it's untenable for node operators to run Solana. Um, my question was like, would you ever or would or or would we ever, as a protocol, budge on this idea that every validator needs to run the chain daemon? Or would we be fine saying, like, here's a list of six endpoints pick one at random and just use the centralized endpoint because the centralized endpoint is probably run by jump capital and the whole chain is run by jump capital anyway. So like if the chain is centralized, then the Bifrost you know, implementation can also be centralized as long as we, you know, pick from like randomly from one of six different um you know, endpoints, like the likelihood of all of them like colluding together to like screw over a Thor chain vault just seems, you know, very, very minuscule. And like, that would be a risk that we, we would caveat saying like, hey, node operators, like don't enable Solana, if you don't agree with this uh, level of centralization risk. And like LPs don't LP your funds if you likewise don't agree. But like, personally, I think that that would be good enough. And we would be able to get Solana. I, I'm wondering what your view is on something like that. And I know it's a bit of off topic, but I'm I've
0: been curious about this. No, it's a good question to ask. Uh, well, first of all, we I think we can actually add Solana if we wanted to from a technical perspective. I'm not sure we can do it from a financial perspective because it would cost an additional three thousand dollars plus to to node operators today, which might be just too much, you know, taken out of their yield to be make it worthwhile. That that becomes a debate. But the idea of relying on Jump or, or you know other providers for like centralized endpoints for the chain daemon information uh, makes me a bit skittish for obvious reasons uh historically this chain has always been designed architected with the mentality of zero dependencies and now we're creating our first dependency on some centralized entity of some kind so to me it's probably not i mean all you're doing in that circumstance is you're saying um instead of having nodes pay three thousand dollars per month to run the Solana infrastructure themselves they're going to query you know jump and so the question becomes well is it worth three thousand dollars the the added risk put to the network just so we can query Jump, you know, for their data or, or whoever the provider is. Uh, yeah, but becomes- and, and just to be clear, that that that's not like a risk to the protocol
8: itself, and that's not sure. a risk even. Well, it, it's a risk to the LPs of of Solana, and that's about it, I think.
0: No, 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 it's a risk to everybody. No, that's that circumstance, what can theoretically happen is is that Jump can create fake transactions of swapping to Bitcoin, swapping to E, swapping to Tether. You can, you can drain all the assets out of the entire network. In that no, 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 right no, no.
8: You, you'd be able to drain all of the, the the Rune out of the Solana pool by creating fake uh, Solana swaps, and then you'd basically swap all the Solana in the pool into Rune, and then you'd swap all that Rune into Bitcoin. But I don't see how you could... You can't fake a transaction on the Bitcoin network. You can't fake Bitcoin oh, no, inflows. But you,
0: but you have an infinite mint scenario where you, can, you basically can mint as much... Uh, so, you know, Solana sold transactions as you want and arbitrage will probably, you know, arbitrage back against you anyway. So you, unless we hold the it'll chain, drain you know, the
8: rune pool from the, it'll drain the rune from the Solana pool would, and
0: that's it. it. It wouldn't drain it because you have arbitrage bots that would arbitrage in direction because the price of Solana is actually not changing because we're actually not minting more tokens. We're creating fake ones. And so an arbitrage bot would, would trade in the reverse direction Picking up cheap soul, right? And they would just unless the chain halts or something like this happens. You know, assuming that that doesn't happen or whatever, then all the funds of the network will be lost.
8: I don't. I know. I don't think that that's true. I literally think that Why? you would. Think about it. Think about it. You you, you are able to spoof a Sol, a Solana swap. So you're able to say that like you know this user. Um, swapped Solana into Thorchain and is, takes Rune out. They're taking Rune out of what? They're taking Rune out of the, 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 the Solana Rune pool. So, the, yeah. the, so yes, the arbitragers um, would... So what you've done now is you've pushed down because they're s- essentially selling Solana, buying Rune. You've pushed down the price. What mm. then someone would do is they would come buy... Um, Solana. Um, no, nope, they buy. They would sell Solana on a centralized exchange and then buy it back cheaper on on Thorchain, right? Well,
0: no. You could you could you could just dump Rune into that pool and you get a fuck ton of Solana relative to the Rune you put in. You'd arbitrage in the reverse direction. That's, whenever you're trading in one direction, arbitrage bots will do the reverse, right? So because arbitrage bots are going to arbitrage that pool, they're going to you know put the the room back in right
8: yes yeah, so i but i don't see how anyone other than then the they, arb or than the arb or the lp in the solana pool would lose in, in that in that scenario I don't, I don't know how i don't i don't see how you can like drain all the bitcoin from the bitcoin lp without spoofing a bitcoin transaction
0: uh well no you would just because you're effectively taking out as much value from the solana pool as you want in the value of room in which arbitrage is putting the value back into that same pool. Once you have yeah. as much rune as you want, you can extract as much assets of any any pool you you care to.
8: Let me, let me, let me draw it up and let me, let me do like an analysis on it. But I mean, I, I, yeah,
0: you're, you could be right, but I'm, I'm. Just do your analysis, but include the idea of arbitrage. As long as you include the idea will, of arbitrage, of then, yeah, yeah. then you'll, you'll see that I'm right. <laughs> well, yeah.
8: Okay. All right. I, I will. But, but okay. Assume, assume for a moment that like, that that's not true. Um, just the on the grounds of like, just on, just on, <laughs> let's just put the, put that one aside, put that in a little box. We'll get back to that. Let, let's just assume for a minute that that's not true and or and we could find some way um you know either by uh an independent i don't know we'll, we'll f- let's let's put that aside for now just purely from like a philosophical standpoint because solana is like a centralized chain could a cent like does it matter if we have a, like a centralized bifrost implementation if it means that we could unlock you know this the sixth largest chain by market cap and have no additional cost to yeah. um to to, to nodes you're you're
0: effectively saying with this with this kind of position that the let's say the hundred nodes is three thousand dollars per node. Let's just call it you know uh, three hundred thousand dollars per month. You are putting a price tag on the decentralization of the network at three hundred thousand dollars per month. That's that's effectively what you're arguing for in this.
8: Certain- it's not, but I, but again, I don't think it's the decentralization of the whole network. I think it's the decentralization of this one chain degradation. Which that chain happens to be a centralized chain in the first place. So like why does it matter? If if jump capital wanted to fuck over ThorChain they could literally just do it at the validator level anyway and Nobody. all of our daemons and all of our daemons
0: would be reporting that to all to all the Bifrost anyway right like it, in it's- that circumstance it's a little bit different because in that circumstance they would they would be minting themselves new Soul tokens and changing the supply of of, of Soul, and hence changing the value and then in, in result what they're actually doing is just correcting the price on ThorChain which is what we would want to see hypothetically in that scenario otherwise with the exception of ILP kind of paying out too much to people when they shouldn't be paid out. But like, that is a different scenario. Faking tokens is different than minting tokens on the chain. And the the implications of chain are very different. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that
8: like if we were able to come forward with proof that like jump capital was, you know, like feet, like basically like spoofing data through their endpoints, uh, transactions that never happened on the blockchain, like that, that would, you know, the, <laughs> the economic value of attacking Thorchain, chain, they, th- their reputational loss would be way, way greater as a result than, you know, it's it just like game theory doesn't make sense for that. that okay, but
0: reputational loss is nothing. Like, who the fuck cares about reputation? Like, that's not the way you secure anything. To space I mean that's just centralization which is obviously what this chain but that's means. dude that's what Solana cares most
8: about though like that's that's their that's their that's what the, that's their whole thing like they if they cared about decentralization they would be a decentralized network they obviously don't they're still a very they're still a very like attractive I'm prize sure if you for, if for you asked the pool
0: I'm sure if you ask them, the community of Solana is your chain centralized their answer will be no it's decentralized that's what they would think from their perspective and whether or not you agree with that is you know fair or not fair or whatever, but like, yeah. I, am not just because like, the same thing with like, you know, a uh, polygon, like Polygon's is high centralized. It's a, it's just a multi-state securing the entire thing. And do we want to go through add centralized aspects to our network and design just because, um, polygon is centralized. And my leaning is no, uh, you know, but if I can, and- if I can prove that it only puts
8: the LPs, um, that are that are on that chain at risk would you be would you be open to it to be honest no because even in that circumstance it still has ilp risk Uh uh uh-huh but then what if we did what i was saying before which is that only certain pools get ilp protection
0: then that becomes a political argument within the community and we we are no longer a neutral chain we should be uh, at least culturally speaking i've always intended this to be a a neutral system that is not doesn't have an idea of what is a good coin or bad coin. What's a shit coin? What's not a shit coin? Outside the context of what is a threat to itself, and in this context, ILP is a, can be a threat to itself. So we have to think about that more clearly. Yeah, yeah.
8: All right. Definitely. Okay. That's interesting. Definitely some some stuff to to think about.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for asking the questions.
8: Yeah. No problem. I, I would love to, I would love to get like Solana and Polygon. You know. So I've just been trying to think about. Um, alternatives to you know, but, what, but why what,
0: not just do Solana the way we do everything else and just have nodes run it? Like that's it's possible. I thought it was not possible. I was told that it was not possible according to the, one of these guys that you're talking about who are pulling data from, and ended up being that being not the actual case. it is possible to run uh, Solana nodes on, on on cloud providers like like DigitalOcean and such. So we can do it. The question just becomes: Is it economically worthwhile? And that's a question that node operators have to kind of debate and argue
9: about. Yeah. All right. Can's all I have. I was going to hi, hi guys. Um, Great, great conversation. Happy to be here. So, um, my my question was was regards to Haven integration, but this conversation got interesting. Um, Could 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 I ask you to expand on this, like um, Solana integration being economically justified? That the three thousand um, dollar cost per month per node uh and and the revenue generated from it like uh, h- how how should uh community think about this this kind of thing it's hard to th-
0: think about it because you're basically making a gamble of what you think the success of solana will be and so if the way that i would think about it which is my two cents and everybody can establish their own mechanism is like yes solana is a big chain in terms of its market cap but do the people of the community around Solana give two shits about interacting with a Thorchain? And to, to this date, I have not seen you know a, a large outpouring from the Solana community to be added to Thorchain, like I've seen on Dash, like I've seen on Haven, like I've seen even within the Radix community. And so, like these, these other chains are more engaged, and they gives me more confidence that if we were to add their chains, there'd be liquidity in the pools, there'd be trading and swaps not just within their pool, like the Dash pool, but also in the Bitcoin pool and other assets as well. But for Solana, like, I don't know, right? Like, if, if we, if I got, if the, like, what's his name? Is it Sergey or what's the guy's name behind Solana? I can't remember his name right now. But, like, if he got behind it and started tweeting about it and, like, getting his community excited about this whole Solana thing and, and you know, whatever, then I would, I might change my perspective. But, like, for me right now, least in the current moment while Rune's price is, is you know, uh, in the bear market and it's worth only two and a half dollars, which is relatively low, it's probably not worth it. But, you know, come the next bull market, when runes, you know, at new all-time highs, uh, and all these things, and like then the $3,000 we're talking about is, you know, is pennies. And it doesn't actually really have that much effect on the the, the reward or yield of, of node operators.
2: Actually, yeah. one point that I thought of is the people of Solana care about decentralization. They could just use a centralized bridge to go through, uh, you know, their,
8: their bridging from Solana, you know. <laughs> they, you mean from- you mean their, bri- your, their bridge that got hacked <laughs> and that they've poured hundreds of millions of dollars into? I, you know, oh, yeah. and that also only supports the ETH right now. Like, imagine if we were like, yeah, we solved your bridging problem, but also like your you know for btc eth like all these other tokens as well i think they'd be pretty stoked about that um they might be i just wanted to add i hope so i just wanted to add that i think that you know i think there is a way to like quantify what like the value of a chain is of course like you have to make some assumptions like chad was alluding to like how much volume and swap volume is this going to bring Um, but like just like just saying, like leaving the price, the, the price of rune like constant or aside. Um, like every time a swap happens, um, the, that basically like the the income or the fees from that swap are split between the uh, the bonders, so the nodes and the LPs. And so basically, you can you can determine like how many how much swap volume would be necessary, right? Because it's not it's not just block rewards. Um, like that, that base because like, because volume is pretty constant right now, block rewards month over month for nodes have been relatively constant. Like I think around 4,000 million per month. Um, but like if there was a huge spike in volume, especially as a result of, of one chain being added, that would reflect in the, in the node income and you would see more income as a result. So even if the, the price of, um, even if the price of, of Rune did not change, if you were able to, you know, we, we can solve for this equation. If we were able to generate X amount of volume from the Solana pool per month, that would actually cover the cost of the, um, of the hardware. So there, there is actually a way to do um, sort of like to, to, to break down the cost benefit analysis of, of running the chain. Um, but again, you still have to like make an assumption about how much um, volume it would bring. And that's something that I think none of us know.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's hard to know that, right? I mean, we had a Doge. Doge's about the same market cap as Solana right now, and and obviously the amount of trade volume we see on Doge is not nearly as high as it is on Bitcoin and Ethereum, and even even Adam I think is like is like outperforming Doge, even though Adam is like you know a, a, a fraction of the of the liquidity of, of Doge, right? It all comes into it. The same thing with like Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin, like all these things. Like, their market caps are relatively high but the community is, seems like a zombie community like they're not really aware what's happening we, what we've done for those communities is probably the biggest thing that happened to them in years and i not they don't even care and it, that's just like <laughs> shocking to me.
8: It's cuz it's it's cuz Doge is a meme coin that like people just trade, you know, they just trade it and they just hold it. They don't really give a shit. Like they just want it to moon. I think that Solana actually has use cases and, and actually Solana actually has like traders and users and like people that have a bit more of like the DeFi mentality. So and and also like they have, you know, they're they're like a, you know, sort of like an institution, um at least like jump is an institution that Nine Realms could face. So I think that there's something that like we could do there in terms of like getting a really big Um, liquidity slug. I think you know. I I don't even know. We've never talked to them, but like, it just. I think that there's like more opportunities for like us to do a partnership there. Whereas like Doge, there's not really like a an entity to do a partnership with. So I just I I think that it's just an interesting uh, area to explore. Um, I have to jump pretty soon. Um, but I did want to ask one more question that I'm forgetting right now. So just give me two seconds.
10: While you're doing that, I want to uh, thank you, Pluto, for um, all your questions, because I think it stirs up a lot of uh, debate and uh, design ideas. And my question to uh, the Thor, uh, Thor, Thor core here, I guess, uh, is um, where does this governance happen? Uh, so if, if one of you guys a- address that. And to kind of answer the question that Canton had earlier, um, there is a, a bare metal conversation that's been going on at, uh, Adam, uh, the cosmos hub for a while. And, uh, thanks to what's been recently happening on Thorchain's uh, debate between the cloud, uh, security versus the bare metal security. I kind of stirred a pot back into, um, uh, Adam people. And then I got pretty deep in with
0: the uh, bare metal people that's been doing it for
10: years. So if Kenton, if you're interested in this, uh, Uh, bridge or hybrid where the the real bare metal people, uh, the validators, uh, are uh, bringing on the investors. You might want to go and talk to them. Um, And so uh, my real question originally is to ask uh, uh, Thor Thor Core here, um, when IBC? Because for Cosmos uh, Network, which you guys are part of, uh, with that IBC, which, in my view, is the greatest technology that Atom produced or Cosmos produced, it's, it, 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 I put it on the level with DAO, NFT, and XFi. XFi, including DeFi, ReFi, GameFi, and all that stuff. It really is a tunnel, not a bridge. It, it, and I think that if um, I, I'm, I'm talking to Atom people, and um, they're very friendly. So uh, you get to talk to the core people directly. Um, so I've been nudging them to, in some ways, um, open up IBC as a non-branded protocol like TCP/IP, Because it, the, the consensus and the assumption, well, it's, the, it, it's a fact, right? Uh, that it's, it's invented by um, the uh, Tendermint uh, core and the Cosmos uh, core team. So it's a Cosmos-branded tunnel. But I think if they could just br- make it brandless, it could be boundless. Like it could be TCP IP. Uh,
0: well, chains. so let me let me, answer, let me answer your question. So um, IBC is a bridge to start because it is bridging assets across chain. You're locking up assets in one chain then you're minting something else in another chain that is by default or by the definition of a bridge. The idea of it using... Uh, being used to like do more than just value but information as well is something that i think is being discussed or being you know uh, uh explored part of energy accounts and this kind of thing i think and the problem with that becomes there's no security involved at all because the value of the transaction of the information being transmitted is is irrespective to the person that's transmitting it right from malicious activity that's the problem i have with that same thing with the route protocol same idea like there's no way to financially um, there's no way to 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 build that in a way that's economically secure. The only way you can do it is to trust, which is inherently prob- problematic from my
8: perspective.
10: Yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, can, I, can I jump
0: in? Can I jump in on this as well?
8: Because I just I, I have to hop. So I'm just going to give my quick two cents on on when IBC. I think the question for Thorchain is more why IBC. Um, I, I've given my thoughts on this before. I just I rune is I, okay. First of all, what what assets would you want to export? There's only two types of assets on ThorChain. There's native rune and then there's synthetics. Um, there could be a whole use case for reasons why you'd want to export synthetics. Um, I'll let other people talk about that. But in terms of exporting native rune, I don't believe that that should be done because rune is most most productive when it's either bonded or pooled in ThorChain itself to, again, secure the assets of 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 that 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 facilitate all of the cross chain swaps that Thorchain does. So, like personally, I don't think IBC needs to be used for rune. Um, someone else can talk about synthetics, but I just think that, like like the cosmos and the Thorchain ecosystems can coexist and 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 will coexist. Like obviously, we're under that umbrella. But I'm just saying in terms of IBC, like, like DEX aggregators will solve the problem of like when to use IBC and when not to use IBC. So for example, like if you go into a a Rango today and you want to get like um, USDC on Osmo chain or whatever, Osmo on Osmo chain and you have Bitcoin, right? You'll just put in one Bitcoin and it will say, great. We're going to swap that one Bitcoin to Atom, and then we're going to use IBC to uh, switch Atom um, on uh, on Cosmos Hub to Atom on Osmo, and then we're going to use Osmosis's pool to swap from Atom on Osmosis to os- native Osmosis. Right? All of that will happen un- underneath the hood using DEX aggregators. There's literally no reason that we need to enable IBC to start exporting, you know, our synthetic uh, uh, Atom, and then like pushing, you know, set- sending that over to uh, Osmosis or Cosmos hub, like let the different systems do what they do best. That's, that's my two, my two cents on it. I, I just don't believe that it's, it's necessary for Thorchain.
9: While we're,
10: we're here. Um, well, just to, um, again, I don't see IBC as a, Thor, uh, Cosmos or Adams thing or Thor's thing. I see it as a universal, uh, infrastructure. That's all. And uh, again, this is, um, in the works, in the version two, version three of IBCs, it's, it's a it's a long game, guys. It's not you know whose bridge we're gonna use. It's about easing the experience, user users experience. And uh, I love Doorchain. I love what you guys are doing. I th- I think it's 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 one it's one of the uni- most unique project. Um, but as a user, it's really cumbersome. It, you got to have two wallets. I mean, to 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 uh, to bring the newbies onto this, which I've been trying to do for the last six years. ThorChain, is not a place to start, right? Osmosis. Is. So like the like the Cosmos people, they would rather have IBC just be default, like back, you know, you don't think about it. It's just there. We're all connected. And then let's, let's move forward. But if not IBC yet, because I, let's just say IBC from your perspective is not there yet. Uh, and so we'll give it a time. Not a big deal. And then I guess the secondary thing would be, like on Rango, um, Osmosis is already integrated with the ThorChain, right? Uh, so... Uh, when does the ThorSwap get integrated with the Osmos?
8: Uh, I think that would be a question for ThorSwap. Um, w- w- uh, Osmosis is not integrated on ThorChain right now, right? That I mean, that that's the beauty. Isn't it uh, on Rango? Uh, yeah, it's on Rango because, again, you can use IBC to move from Atom, which is on ThorChain, right? So, like, just by adding Atom, just by adding Cosmos Hub, to Thorchain, now you have access to the entire IBC ecosystem. So that's why it just like kind of annoys me when people are like, when is Thorchain going to add IBC? It's like, well why? We don't need to. We already have given the entire I Cosmos IBC ecosystem access to L1 ETH and L1 Bitcoin and L1 everything else. Like it, it, I, I get that it's a tool that people are very excited about, and they want everyone to use it. But I don't see the use case for Thorchain. Well, so you think, don't. You
10: know, so you don't think IVC adds any usability, or, or or from the user? Like, let's not talk about like the bare metals, the validator. I mean, that's just too far in for obviously uh, public or common users. So like, I'm trying to get people to get their freaking coins off of like Kraken and Coinbase for to start off with, right? It's like, because they just keep it there. They don't. They don't u- interact with Thorchain because it's just. They don't know
8: about it, first of all. And you'd they, rather them you'd rather them hold it on on like Cosmos Hub via an I or sorry on on I, an IBC re- like representation as an IOU rather than as the L1 because I think that that's kind of like antithetical to our philosophy. No,
10: I, I would if, if it's up to me, I would rather have people hold their tokens on Ledger or Treasury. But that's again. It's like fifth fifth hold down for them. It's just like there's five ways to hold your token five five layers of security in my, like in a simplified way, and uh, the uh, uh, Coinbase is the first step for majority of people, right? So I'm trying to get them to the second step. It doesn't matter if it's Kepler or Leap or uh, Hammer Wallet. I'm trying to get them to own their own token, like have their own Z phrase instead of trusting with Krakens and you know FTX or whatever. So like what 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 you're talking about is so, for, for for someone uh, like us who's been in it for years and and for um, and, and, and and the core tech people here are gracious enough to be here to educate us further down the hole. but like I'm, I guess I'm mostly focused on educating and sharing and kind of trying to bring the masses on board, which really is what Web3 needs to. Uh, grew up to be. We have no designers, no artistic talents. It's, it's still run by, run by uh, devs, which are essentially engineers. And and it, it shows because the user interface, user experience just sucks. It, it, it's like if I go to Cosmos, for example, and some of the graphics and some of the uh, color tones, all these things are just like high school level. And so we need to bring world-class people into it. And you can't do that if we keep hammering people with beauty of do this, do this. Like too many hops, right? You need to eliminate hops.
0: Make it easy, simple. So, but th- that's the point of dex aggregation, and one of the reasons why it might be valuable to Thorchain to add osmosis as one another chain to it is because then you would have direct access in a single transaction to trade from basically any asset on any chain to any asset on any chain without re- relying on swaps or multiple transactions or holding gas assets or any of these things. I think that's part of the vision. I think that I would like to see happen uh, is the, the Thor chain from power. Uh, and,
8: and, IBC, and IBC is still helping facilitate that. I think that's, what, like, that's what people are like, fail to understand is that like, IBC helps facilitate that. It just it is not part of the Thor chain in that hop, right? Thor chain does, like, facilitates the L1 swap and then passes it off to osmosis to use IBC to connect you to whatever chain you want. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it, it, yeah, I've, I, I've, I've said my piece.
10: Yeah, Yeah. from the uh, user's perspective, they don't care about IBC. They don't care about wormholes. They don't care about any of that stuff. So if putting Osmosis on ThorSwap makes it from the, like, so I bring people onto Osmo because they see the cartoon, they think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. Oh, like, like a couple subs, you're you're done. So you're in, right? So now, like to pull pull people into uh, DeFi to get them really experiencing what blockchain is really about, because... On coin, on Coinbase, they don't they don't send transfer. They just like buy and hold and get their shitty return that Coinbase gives them, like which is not like less than half. So, um, like so, I get people into Osmo because it's deep,
2: far easier than six years of my. I think I lost him. I
10: don't, I yeah, I think
2: you just got rugs. Susan, you there? Okay, like in the meantime, Con, you can go. Sorry
4: for cutting you off before.
9: Um, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I was just going to, um. Add on to Pluto's points that like basically Torcints is like the alternative. I, I see them as an alternative to IBC assets on Torchain, right? Like you, you, you like Torchain could have integrated IBC. It could have, have like IBC IOUs on it. Instead, it prefers to do that as TorSynths, which is like productive for LPs. So i uh, yeah i really don't don't see merit in like a, a direct ibc integration either uh but i would be very actually curious to explore like the advantages of adding like osmo uh, osmo chain as like o- o- one of the chains um especially like given that they're um like becoming this hub for for um cosmos based assets
0: yeah one interesting thing i kind of debate about adding osmo or not is that Assumingly, the pool for Atom will be deeper than Osmo, just because the market cap is that. Uh, kind of insinuates that. And if that's the case, the swap fees would be less through Atom, and so it might be more effective in terms of like cost. So, okay, I got I rugged. Got rugged. <laughs> Damn,
8: this whole space is getting rugged. I, I can pretty much uh, finish his thought. Like, basically, with Dex aggregation, um, it'll choose whatever the cheapest path is. So, like, if the Atom pool is deeper it's gonna choose to use the atom pool and then just use the IBC route that I described before rather than use the osmosis pool. So like by virtue, I think just by virtue of having one IBC enabled chain, and that's the Cosmos hub, we basically give the entire ecosystem access to the L1 liquidity on ThorChain via DEX aggregation. And so like that's just kind of where my like frustration comes from, um, you know, with the sort of Cosmos community is because like, <laughs> they just they keep like shouting, you know like when when Ibc when Ibc it's like they won't give us any they won't give us any like props or any recognition until we enable Ibc it's like it's like this invisible wall between us and the cosmos community where it's like if you don't enable Ibc, like you're not part of our community, and it's like they don't even take five seconds to like sit down and like listen to like where we're coming from and like and 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 to, and to be honest, they didn't haven't given. Any recognition? They haven't done like any like cross marketing. I haven't heard a word from any of their thought leaders about like how great it is that you can now go from like L one BTC to literally any token in the entire cosmos universe. And it's just like I'm 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 sorry. I'm like I'm I'm sick of uh, basically trying to explain it to them and 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 because they're not willing to be they're not willing to understand. Um, End rant. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
9: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I totally. Totally agree and understand. Like there is basically like to sum up. Basically, there are two ways IBC could have been beneficial. One, exporting assets. Two, importing assets. In exporting assets, it's just that rune is basically more productive on TorChain than than anywhere else. And in importing assets, it just makes sense to represent them as like sins instead of like IBC assets because they're they they add like they contribute to um, uh, revenue of, of LPs. Yeah, um, and also yeah. like, and uh, like, I'm a firm believer in like doing
8: something unique and doing something that like other people haven't done already. And like, Osmosis is the best place to pool IBC assets. Like, why would we try to compete with them on that?
9: You know, like it's it's well, on your Dex aggregation note. We're talking about the hypothetical um, protocol, right? That like, no, this like nothing.
8: No, there's nothing hypothetical. Literally, go onto Rango.exchange right now and plug in, uh, try, try to get a one BTC swap to Osmo on Osmosis. It will literally show you how the BTC swap goes from BTC to Atom, Atom to um, Cosmos Hub to Osmosis via I- IBC, and then does the, um, you know, o- Osmo swap to like whatever you want on on Osmosis. It's oh, it's
9: already there today, this I've, is
8: already enabled.
9: I've totally did, did not know that. Um, That's pretty cool, yeah
8: so pluto for for it to <laughs> no one, be no single... no no one in the community knows that because they haven't they don't sit down and like even <laughs> like listen to us it's it's very frustrating
1: love the rant pluto um for it to be single signature uh aggregation does that not require osmo in a pool like can you do that with a contract
8: on no. uh cosmos no no because cosmos hub does not have um wasm enabled so we would actually we would need to have like an aggregator contract much like Um, ThorSwap has, much like Rango has on Ethereum for ERC20s, much like AVAX will have once that goes live. um, We would need to essentially make like a transfer out and call contract on Osmosis. I already made a tweet thread um, like two months ago, basically explaining exactly what needs to happen in order to do the single transaction, like literally to be able to sign one transaction on Bitcoin to swap directly to any IBC asset. All that would need to happen is that we would need to create an Osmo pool on ThorChain and then Osmosis, because their smart contracts are permissioned, their community would need to essentially, uh, we would need to create a, a proposal, a Cosm proposal um, that essentially creates that smart tra- contract on Osmosis that allows us to do the transfer out and call. Um, yeah, I've not told sure. this many times. We've like, we've, we've, we've been saying this, so I, I'm, I just... I'm not
0: entirely sure that's correct because I think it's possible to do it with Adam as long as interchange accounts allows for it. Ah, yeah, I have not
8: explored the interchain accounts enough yet. Maybe, you know, so,
0: so theoretically how that works is you would, you would swap to Adam on the, on the Gaia chain. And then you would use interchain accounts to, to broadcast, uh, like to move your, your atom to the other chain and then also execute some sort of transactional swap. And that's kind of the value of like interchain accounts is being able to do a single transaction that actually executes a multitude of transactions across multiple chains within the Cosmos ecosystem. So that might be, I, I don't know if I'm an I'm interchain accounts expert by any stretch of imagination. So I don't. I'm not 100% confident about it, but I think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we would
8: be able to figure it out if someone from the Cosmos community would actually sit down with us. But when we talk to them, all, all we ever get from them is when IBC. So I want to
7: really quickly interject. I know it's not my turn, real quick, but I just want to, I came up to say Pluto and everybody on the team, great work for fantastic work that you guys have done with ThorChain. Uh, you guys obviously think outside the box. I think that's fantastic asset. And sometimes, you know, the crowds, they get the crowd mentality and it happens. But keep doing what you're doing. 100% support. Love it. Just wanted to say that. Thank you.
8: Arno, the Dogecoin tip god. Wawa wa wa Thank you. Awesome, guys. Really, really great um, debate and discussion today. I, I really enjoyed dropping in for this one. Um, I got to drop off right now, but uh, yeah. Cheers to everyone. Have a great weekend. Later, Pluru. Thanks for coming up.
0: Any more questions or, or, or things you want to bring up? That was a good roundabout of a good conversation. Interesting. engaged. I like it. I like it. Anything else you want to bring up or, or discuss?
9: One technical question from me. Um, given the low market cap of Haven, um, one of the things that came up in, in the Discord server was... Um, um, like the 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 concern with reorgs, potential reorgs. I know, I know, like confirmations on Torchain sort of take into account the economic value of the transaction. Uh, but maybe worth reiterating, like how that kind of works and how Torchain uh can be secure against um, uh, against such things.
0: Yeah, that's a good, good question. So. I think everybody's kind of heard about the idea that like you wait six comps for Bitcoin, right? It's a common kind of adage that people have said and exchanges themselves use that. There was a a white paper there or like a research paper that was written in 2012 by, I think his name is Ropstein or I can't remember the guy's name top of my head, but he's the one that kind of came up with this idea of of six comps. And if you read the actual document and, and kind of get a sense of his language, like he's like, Oh, you know, like, you know, some number, it's about six sounds good, I guess. Like that's pretty good. Like and that's especially at in twenty twelve levels when when everything was different, right? So um the way we think about costs in the community in general, I feel is highly flawed. Uh, it should be relational to the amount of value that you're trying to extract extract through the network. Uh and should so therefore should be dynamic. And so how Thorchain actually does it is it looks at effectively it looks at the the block size block reward of, you know, Bitcoin or, or, or Haven or, or what have you. And they establishes what the value of that is. And so if you're if the block reward is like, say it's a hundred thousand dollars and there's a transaction coming through, that's, you know, $200,000, then it'll wait two blocks uh, for confirmation uh, before it actually accepted it. And it, it also includes like multiple transactions. So if there's three transactions, each are $100,000 each, then the, the lot of them, will be waited you know will be delayed for three confirmations before it actually you know is observed and processed and so forth and so on and so this is part of the same thing will happen with, for haven is that it'll be a lot of confirmations to be waiting for you know before trades actually go through especially ones with like you know decent size uh because the confirmations of the block reward for haven is rather small the number of confirmations will, will probably be fairly high uh just just to ensure that the network is secure and it can't be attacked by a like reorder attack or something like this does that make sense
9: yeah yeah that's that totally makes sense yeah yeah overall like i I just want to also add that like haven integration as much as it's like a low market cap chain and everything i just think it's like it sets a direction uh for the network and like truly gives me goosebumps so i'm i'm like pretty pretty happy with with all the engagement and interest around it um i think the rest of the like the rest of the crypto markets sort of um like don't recognize this uh, at the moment but like it'll surely become a point where where it's like um uh, you know it, it shows that how beneficial that integration will be in the future i think I think it really
2: highlights the fact that we're the only decks that can possibly even support this integration because no one else can even have this conversation, right? Any other decks, it's complete non-starter. It's, it doesn't even, uh, you can't even start to have the conversation, but I think it's really interesting that uh, there's so much activity on this discussion here because, you know, it's possible because of what Thorchain brings to the space.
0: Yeah, it's not, even, not only just that, but every DEX that's currently being developed, with the exceptions of ones that are forks of ThorChain, cannot accept it or cannot support something like a Monero. Like even Chainflip can't even do it, right? Because they require Schnorr signatures to, to be able to interact with a chain, which, to my knowledge, the Monero does not actually support. So, like, we would be the only—we're literally the only ones that can, and there's nothing even in development right now, at least the, to my knowledge, that can that can theoretically even support it.
9: So— um, another other maybe uh, opinion that I would like to have is like the adoption around Dex integration. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's like um, quite clear that there there's a um, there's a huge use case for it, and uh, my expectation is that as like Dex uh, integra- like Dex aggregations get more and more adopted. Then uh, essentially, what Torchain? Torchain is like the, what, what's going to become important for Torchain is to have like high liquid pools, and that's it, right? So earlier, uh, the, to the point that we've discussed, like whether or not we should integrate Osmo. Now the decision becomes like, oh, we only need like one large pool um, to access all of these like Cosmos IBC assets. So if that's Atom, maybe like doesn't it doesn't matter if if we, like, it's not worth adding uh, Osmo there and stuff like that. Um, so on that note, now the question becomes like what happens to um, currently listed uh, assets, like small assets, ERC-20s and, and uh, other assets out there. So yeah, we'll, we'll be curious to to hear your thoughts on on um, how, how to handle those, like w- whether uh, they, they would stay, and they would get delisted somehow, or uh, what's the timeline looking like for the for those? In terms of like ERC-20s
0: being delisted from ThorChain, is that what you mean?
9: Yeah, I think, like, if DEX aggregation picks up, I don't yeah. see much value in them staying on Torchchain. Well, uh,
0: the only ones that do kind of have value is the stables. They actually become, like, basically price feeds in some sense into the chain environment, which can be very helpful. But I agree with you. I think, I think ERC20s in general will probably be kind of going away with the exception of stables on ThorChain. There was even a recent code change in the latest version that just got uh, adopted recently, that allowed nodes to set, to like demote um, pools based upon trade volume. Like if you haven't got enough trade volume to be worthwhile, to, to even secure the assets that we're securing for you, then you know we're going to you know, delist your token, basically, your ERC-20 from the network. That doesn't apply to, to gas assets, like primary assets of primary chains. It only applies to like secondary assets. But I think what's naturally probably going to happen is either we're going to get rid of all of your C-20s or uh, all of your C-20s with the exception of stables and just become like very short-tail assets and become the corridor between every DEX in the world and then uh, have those DEXs do the long, long tail of various assets.
9: Yeah, I I, I see this like as a almost like a part of the soul searching of TorChain, but I I, like definitely um, stables should stay there, uh, I think. But uh, like if those ERC20s get delisted, it becomes like more clear where the unique edge of TorChain is. And it's like, I think it's a clear narrative to be this like highway of, highway between chains basically and then, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think initially the the idea in the earlier days was that Prochain would just hold all the assets and, and make everything else, you know, uh, redundant. And then as we launched it and, we, you know, we made some learnings, we kind of realized that um, scaling the bond would be harder than we probably initially thought it was going to be. And, you know, how can we have really deep Bitcoin pool if we have a thousand coins that are taking up some of that space in the security? And so it, it became more and more obvious as the as the multi-chain was launched and, more chains, were, more uh, assets were added and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I think that's where I flipped to after a multi-chain. I to think myself that we should probably just let, you know, um, local dexes handle local assets and Torchain handle remote access.
10: I I wasn't a bit uh, aware of any uh, Torchain uh, forks, but uh, Chad, if uh, you were to leave... <laughs> In a few years, as you dream to. <laughs> uh, what would be the value and propositions or unique things that uh, uh, forked Thor chains could do differently from current Thor chain? Would that be, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 as an architect, I, 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 I'm mostly interested personally as a design aspects of what, what is possible. So if you could shed some uh, ideations on what uh, other Thor chain. Um, uh, mods could be,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm aware of two in this moment. but to my knowledge, one is called Maya, um, and their proposition is not fairly not much different than what Thorchain already does. It, I think they're just going for like LP units is the bond security instead of the native cocoa asset, and they were be more fixated on supporting the Thorchain system as a separate secondary option or network. Uh, there's another one that I'm aware of that I won't say the name of the chain because I don't think it's public quite yet. But um, they're working on uh, stablecoin design and having the stablecoin be be the the base asset of the network, where you bond with those stablecoin and you also put stablecoin into the pools. That inherently is highly flawed and problematic, which I'm not going to get into right now. Um, and there's a good reason why we would never want to do that. But um, f- for me, like I think. What what may happen, and I think this is part of the conversation that that I'd like to have with the community at some point in the future, is the idea that that because people are a bit um, unsteady about like Thorfi and the algo stable design and these other aspects to it, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe the right move here is to fork Thorchain and have you know the, the current Thorchain just kind of remaining just an AMM rock solid secure. You know stable like all these things and then we fork through our chain and create a new thing with a new brand and a new name new everything uh, new asset and that becomes like more of the experimental uh you know bleeding edge you know, higher risk kind of system so that we can experiment with these ideas that are highly valuable you know conceptually and we can experiment with them in a way that does not threaten Thorchain itself, like you know, if the algo stable collapses, blah well, hypothetically speaking, and we don't want to destroy Thorchain with it, we can just destroy this, you know, secondary um, fork uh, network. That's something that, like myself and other OGs, have been kind of considering or uh, talking about. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not happen. I'm not saying that it will. But the idea is uh, that we there's more things we want to do as, you know, the original architects of ThorChain. And we don't want to put the what we've worked so hard to build over the course of four, three or four years at risk, but still be able to experiment and, and provide these new DeFi protocols that are, you know, leaps and, and can can agree with me on this. I think that our leaps and bounds ahead of everything else in the space, like our lending design is, is ridiculous. Um, and so it's it's too important to just leave it aside and not do anything uh, and just kind of shelve it. But at the same time, we don't want to put Thorchain itself at any kind of risk with this new kind of bleeding edge experimental concept. And so that's going to be a, a conversation that the community might have at some point once we get past these three major features of POL, single-sided yield and order books is get back to the Thorify conversation, is do we want Thorify to be part of ThorChain and build it in, which we can totally do that if the community wants to go in that direction, or do we want to fork ThorChain, create a secondary chain that does all that stuff uh, and you know allows it to be experimental in another way that doesn't threaten the original chain? That's going to be an interesting conversation that the community is going to have to like discuss and and, and argue about and figure out what's the direction we want to go as a community. So what I'm hearing is that
10: I'm 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 all for it. Um, whether you put or uh, nine realms or or the or the community decides four five belongs on the new one or the uh, current one, that's up to the community and the uh, uh, the nine realms and you guys. Uh, and uh, either way, I think I'm excited for it. Um, so essentially, you're talking about crazy, crazy, creating a crazy cousin like Kusama to Polkadot and uh, Juno to Adam, uh, which allows more exper- experimentation without losing st- stability or security of the core, right? So, um, and I think this is a debate that's going on in other blockchains as well. But the architecture of the door chain being primarily uh, DeFi, uh, I guess the DNA doesn't allow for it to become, say, uh smart contract chain or DAO or NFT or I guess I'm looking at, at things beyond DeFi. Like I don't know if your life after Thor uh Thor chain um is beyond DeFi or it's something to do with DeFi, I guess that was my question.
0: Yeah, I mean there there are three things that I have in mind that I really want to work on. Um I can't work them all at Mala once, obviously. Um, I'm actually meeting with somebody is actually coming down in New York next week to um, collaborate on something, um, which that will be come out later on. But like, there are things I want to build, and the other things I want to build uh, outside of Thorchain and Thorify are actually not in DeFi, but they're still um, are satisfying or solving. Significant issues or problems in the space uh, that things that need to be solved that somebody has to solve them uh, inarguably so and so uh, those are problems I just the ones I like to go after ones that actually have real value and purpose so I do I, I do have more ideas things I want to build which I'm probably going to start working on this year um, uh, later on yeah
10: for, uh, personally for me I, I've been interested in, uh, when I discovered NFT in 2016 2017 I basically. Uh, I closed down my business that I ran for 20 plus years at that point because I knew that that was the tech uh, that could bridge physical world with the digital world. And and, I, I I sought out to hire a, a software company in India for half million dollars. Like like all that would have been bad idea, and it would have been a terrible idea for me to learn code at that time uh, as a physical architect as to, into a digital architect. Because what I would have learned would have been solidity, which would have been terrible. Um, so. Like my goal is really long, long term, like I align my views with the Long Now Foundation with Stuart Brand and all those people. Um, and so physical bridge to digital bridge is going to take decades. And I know that. And so as Vitalik and uh, visionary people like that talks about digital cities, they don't know anything about architecture or infrastructure, or urban planning of the real physical world. So. Like the real estate is uh, is the low hanging fruit in my opinion uh, and and everything really is a um, asset right like like human capital is an asset unfortunately it's captured by capitalists, not not uh, uh, the community values of socialism and so as we bridge both social values and capital values and token and that's i guess a simple word is a tokenization i'm really uh, interested in uh, things beyond DeFi and things beyond um, uh, a current kind of uh, trading and swapping and all that kind of, that makes people drive <laughs> so narrowly. Like I want us to connect the bridge to the real world, the physical world. And uh, other than NFT, if you have any ideas uh, as a, a tech module that could bridge that. And that's, this is why I follow you
0: guys. Thank you sir. I think uh F what can say his name uh FN SM50. I don't think you, you have a question you want to ask you have an opportunity to ask yet.
3: Yeah, hi guys. Uh, so uh the name by the way is uh is a big brain test so. <laughs> well, I'll let uh, I'll let people think about it. Uh, but no, my question, sorry, I, and you might have answered it before, Chad, because uh, I'm I'm doing some stuff as I'm listening to you. I hope I didn't miss uh, if you answered that question. But I was wondering regarding exactly what you guys were talking now, actually. Um, so you, uh, when you guys were talking about forking the chain and making forking torches, sorry, and making something more experimental, I think I asked that question uh, on Twitter um is it realistic to or even did you guys even thought about that if, like, if would that chain be possible to be done via um like either like wrapping or completely minting a, a like just a completely different token to dissociate the name out of Torchain, but it would still be basically originating from Torchain uh and do another separate chain based on the minting of that token uh it's so it basically you can spin up new new nodes based on that but the, so the point is to minimize like just the whole new capital dilution by starting a new you know a new token a new a new coin starting from zero so be, it would still basically belong to Torchain, but it would just be done separately with a different identity
0: you yeah, yeah, follow me. The, the way that i've looked at it is that it would be a a fork of the code uh, and not a fork of the data, right? Uh, not like you said, Not like Bitcoin Cash was a fork of the code and the fork of the data. And yeah. it would it'd be its own new asset with a new name and new everything. Uh, and then there would probably be an airdrop to rune holders. To like, you know, if you have five hundred rune in your in your wallet, you would get five hundred tokens. Uh, in an airdrop and then you can start engaging on the other chain as well and doing what you want to do, whatever. That, that's hypothetically. Then again, I haven't really spent all that much time designing or thinking about it just because it's um it's more important to focus on these like last big features and, and that comes up. But I'll probably turn right back to it later on and, and think more about it, whether or not something we want to do or not. Yeah, I know. I get you. To
3: so yeah, I, I guess that's the one way to do it too. Um, my what I was uh, what I was thinking about is like when when we used to basically you guys like had to burn or I guess mint the new native token base out of the old wrap. Well, they're not wrapped as yet native. Well, oh, not native. Sorry, IOU initial uh, Torch and Rune tokens. So like what I was envisioning is would it be possible to like open a new gate, but that would be possible to mint and redeem actually. So you would be able to go back and forth, but then that that way you create a new chain. But yeah, that's just another way to think about
0: it. No, you, do you follow what I'm saying there or? Yeah. I, I... I, I mean, I would see it, I mean, and I'm open to, ch- to changing, I haven't thought about that much, but like I would see it just as, as two rune and this other rune fork thing would just be two floating assets, just the same as what cacao is and rune is today. It wouldn't be as much burning rune to mint like rune v2 thing or whatever you want to call it or vice versa. It would just be two free floating assets that you can choose to buy or sell at, at will.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, just trying to say, you know, the point of that would be to segregate risk for people who are afraid of, you know, having any sanction put, so that, that would separate that completely. But yeah, it's uh it's a and I like them both. So, <laughs> oh. but uh, thanks for, thanks for your answer.
1: No worries. Cool. Thanks for coming up. Um, yeah. No more requests. So I think this would be a good place to wrap up, but, Definitely a fun conversation today. And actually one one last request just came in. We can give him a quick quick chance and then this will be the last one. Uh shift control. Seeing an error adding you actually. What's going on here? I feel
0: like Twitter's been weird today. The spaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <blocked laughs> Maybe it was all those
1: uh special effects sounds uh <laughs> <laughs> they, they broke everything. Yeah. All right, we'll just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, this was a great one though. Um, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for all your time, Chad. It was great having Pluto come up and lots of good questions today and a lot of so many things shipping, so many things, uh, upcoming and like a lot of good debates to be having. So people can check out the recording, uh, recording will be up on RuneBase. And yeah, we'll do this again next Friday. (laughs)
3: Later
1: guys. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.